Gotcha. Is he a one-man show, or is he, I, is, I'm assuming somebody else is running the place? Uh, he runs it. Really? No kidding. That's fun. Drama's always fun. Drama's fun. Brady, you love drama's the drama? Fun. I hate drama. <laughs> well, you're living in it this morning. You are loving it. Because uh, I, t- I take receipts of everything. Receipts? I keep receipts. I do. I really hope, I, we, I really want that to be a cold Coke from McDonald's. I, that is not a Utah <laughs> coffee. That's a real coffee, not a Utah coffee. Have you ever had just like a large Coke, Diet Coke? No. Like when's the last time you had one? This size? Hell no. Yeah. Like you ever, you stop at a gas station, you ever buy a Coke? I have like at the end of some hunts and stuff. I mean, honestly, there is something to be said about a nice ice cold diesel Coke. You know, the red label, the real one. When's the last time you had do you drink after soda a hunt or something? Soda? You don't drink soda. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to soda? tell you the last time I had one. I couldn't tell you the last time I did it, but I, I definitely have done it in the past. Like you don't drink soda? No. Ever? No. Urge. I mean, I yeah, because I, I mean, remember like, like doing it, but I can't tell you the last time I actually had it. So it's been that long. Do you not like soda? Um, or is it like a no? Con- I like it. It's yeah, Cal. So how do you keep from drinking it? Like it's better than water. coffee. <laughs> Coffee's drink, way better. Than you soda. drink coffee all day. All day. Gotcha. You too. Yeah. Like, like literally pop, all day. Soda, whatever you want to call it, is just bad for you. You're Minnesota. It's pop. Yeah. So I can avoid things that are bad for me because I said I can walk by anything. And be like, oh yeah, I don't need that in my life, so I just avoid it. You gotta enjoy at some point though. Like donuts are bad for you too, but I'll have one of those every once in a while. Yeah. I drink Diet Pepsi's at home just because it's like I hate I get I get so sick of drinking water all the time. Yeah, like, drink well, water all day. It doesn't taste great, and sometimes I'm just like, man, I, instead of eating like a donut, I'm gonna drink a Diet Coke or a Diet Pepsi. I don't know if even it's probably same for same, but I mean it's better than having both. <laughs> you know what I mean? The way I mean, <laughs> yeah, you can't, no one's you can't be a robot. Like well, you gotta enjoy. Yeah, you gotta you enjoy can. when when the moment calls for it. I like the sparkle, man. No, that's what I was going to say. One of those I think is really stupid is sparkling water. Yeah, and I like that too. Sparkling water is fantastic. Big waste. so good. You don't like it either? No. You just don't like carbonation. Do you like beer? And every now and then, yeah, but it's like (laughs) that's different than... Why is it different? Sparkling water. Sparkling water is just fucking gross. It's good, man. Yeah, I like it too. It's got good sodium content in it. It's great. It's awesome. A good uh, what is it, a Pellegrino? Why do you need oh, to, why do you need to make water different? Because by itself it's just it's essential. It's not that appetizing. By, by itself, it's essential. I know. I mean you gotta drink it, and I I think you feel better when you do, but at the same <laughs> time it's like doesn't mean you I can't feel, enjoy it. So it's a, so I feel like I'm forcing myself all the time. Yeah. Like anytime I fill up my water bottle at home and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to. That's try. where like Apex and all that stuff, like yeah. their their quench, mm-hmm. like that supplement makes drinking water way better. Yeah. But just to drink outright water, which I do all, I've been much more conscious like the last two weeks of doing it. It's every time I do it, I'm like, oh, I don't want to drink this. It just doesn't taste good. <laughs> remember, I'd rather uh, drink milk. Remember last year when? <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't drink milk? No. Well, I mean, I like milk. I, I mean, You're not I like really, having a big glass of but milk no, in the morning for breakfast? I'm not pouring myself a glass of milk. Brady, I like milk. Brady though. seems like a milk guy. I used to be until I left Minnesota. I just don't want to spend money. What are you on an it. almond milk guy now that no, you live? I don't want to spill. I don't want to spend money on almond milk. That's a really big waste. Well, almonds, <laughs> giant waste. Almonds don't produce milk. That's always a funny one to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're squeezing that out. But then you can throw the yeah, they're, they're, they're milk in the milk <laughs> yeah. in the almonds. Yeah, I, I I love milk, whole milk. 
You have to. You're from Wisconsin, like Wisconsin, Minnesota area. We used to drink it out of the bulk tank at my uncle's house. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. When we were kids. As a kid, did your mom like pour you a big tall glass of milk in the morning with breakfast? I, I, don't, I, I really want to know how many gallons we went through. Like we had a, some weird subscription thing where we had milk like dropped off on our door all the time. A milkman. That's not a milkman. That's why I, I would have said it was a milkman if it was, but it wasn't. It was just... <laughs> Sounds like a milkman. How tall is your dad, Brady? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just kidding. Brady's my kid, mom. My, my son has a big thing of milk every morning. He loves it. My kids drink milk every morning. I make them. Yeah. I make yeah. breakfast, glass of milk, breakfast. And my kid drinks it every morning. I don't even know. Is that a thing anymore? Like you're supposed to drink milk for calcium? I don't know. Strong bones? They, they or is put that it just back like again. another piece of propaganda that we were sold when we it were kids? It is for my kid. There's no way it's propaganda. I think that's real. That one's real. I, I keep that one holds 100%. Up. Yeah, keep that one's that. like, I mean, it's natural if you switch over to chocolate milk then no i'm against that oh yeah they like chocolate milk too yeah gross fake <laughs> it's quick in there just powder, powder sugar what about like milk with cacao powder so you take natural milk whole and milk. you take natural cacao if i can't pronounce it i'm not gonna i can't even pronounce cacao like what's a cacao is it a <laughs> is it a cow with another cow it's chocolate cow <laughs> all right i lost brady on that C- one cacao. i mean i can't necessarily pronounce it either but it's good <sighs> So what you guys been up to lately? It's just three of us. We've had a lot of guests lately, so I figured yeah. we'd just get the three of us and catch up. We haven't had a chance to really talk. I want to say, this is the first time I've sat in these chairs since we got them because we've had our guests here, and I've been giving up the, the good chair. The good chair. Yeah. These chairs are actually pretty nice. They are. They're super nice. But like you said earlier, you do have to like scoot in really weird to sit down on it. Yeah, but they're and comfortable. They, they're telescoping. You see that? Oh, wow. Go up, go I down. I drop mine down. Yeah. We're really stepping up in this podcast world. <laughs> we got new chairs. <laughs> new yeah, chairs, new chairs are they're nice. It's always funny the people that have come in. We've had guests in the podcast and they come in and they like walk in and they're like, man, this is nice. Like you guys got a full on studio. And I'm like, well, it's, it's like kinda, an extra room. We put some curtains up. We got a secondhand <laughs> yeah. studio. We, we got a bare eye. <laughs> yeah. We still have an old Swaro case yeah, sitting we, over I mean, there. It's, it's coming along a little bit, but we, we didn't get too crazy. No. Yeah, that tells me most people are just doing podcasts from their desk, like like I do sometimes. But I think that is the norm. The norm, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you guys are getting ready to head to the land, old Mexico, south of the border, old yeah. Mexico. Mm-hmm. You leave tomorrow. Tomorrow morning. Yep. We won't be in Mexico tomorrow, so that it like everyone always. Mexico is definitely a thing, right? You, you know, you're going to Mexico, so you don't drive at night. You want to be on the highways at certain times. So, like, we won't be in Mexico tomorrow. So, we're going to go to Phoenix overnight. And then you try to hit the Mexican highways. Like, do you guys stick with that pretty when you go down there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't ever just like, I just want to see. I mean, I've been <laughs> tempted for sure. But then, <laughs> yeah. you know, think about your kids and yeah, how dumb like, it would be to test just my find a little out. Bit. Yeah. yeah. And then F you, round and find you out. retract on that one pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you stick to it, though. You don't, oh, oh, yeah. Don't yeah. drive at night. What else? What else do you do? Like, what else? What other, what other kind of preps are you like? Do you have to get in order before you go? I mean, I, w- I honestly would say we probably overdo it. But I mean, if you're going to a foreign country. I don't, you try to just be as safe as you always can, no matter what. It doesn't matter where I'm going, but wear full camo, you know, just so they know you're a hunter. You oh, look, really? Yeah, you look like a hunter. Look, gotcha. You know, you do, uh, like, I'll wear a camo top. I'll wear jeans, but like, I'll wear a camo top, drive on the roads and, daytime um don't you remember that from our hunt that we did where i had those running with some 
yeah, the eagle people. I remember that. How we talked afterwards to wear camouflage and like I, I did Logan next that. to me looked just like a border patrol agent because he was in solids. He's like, yeah, I'm never wearing solids <laughs> yeah. again down on the border because mm-hmm. yeah, you do. try to try to wear camo and then uh, just be on the roads at the right time. Don't cause a scene. You you know? you're driving down together? Or you're taking separate? Yeah, we'll be we'll be in a convoy. So, dude. Com- can we like do the old like CB style convoy? Like, well, we have radios cow- thanks to our podcast producer Cody because I can't find mine. Do you know where my radios are? Uh, I don't know where they are. Guess <laughs> me yesterday too. I, literally, no. the last time I remember using my radios was 2020 on Porter's huh? uh, elk hunt. Yeah, and yeah, I have. I, I don't remember. I just, have d- no d- clue where uh, they are. Just replay that in your head. Don't you hate that? 2020 Porter. And then as your answer. He told me he doesn't have them. I mm. bet he's got them. Yeah, That's he's what got I him. said. Porter's definitely he's got He's got to have them in his yeah. house or something. So I can't find mine. Anyways, our podcast producer, Cody, stepped up, and now we have radios. So we'll be in a convoy line of... So that's the other thing, too, is make sure you're in constant contact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, lead car, make sure back car's good. If anybody needs fuel, blows a tire, things like that. Do you go through your vehicle, like, before you leave? Oh, that's yeah, that's like the other a, thing, too. Cannot have any spent shells in your truck. Especially on this, that's gonna be difficult. Especially on this crossing because we won't have guns. The guns are already there from the previous yeah. trip, so I already crossed the border with the guns last month. Um, it, it is a that'd be a problem for a lot of people. It's a real that, thing. If yeah. you have a shell that doesn't match the caliber of gun on your permits, mm-hmm. not good. Not a good thing. Yeah, I'm Especially just thinking about my vehicle in the parking lot. I had my kid out on the weekend Sunday. We're shooting shotgun. We're shooting, mm-hmm. you know, it's 22. We're doing all kinds of shooting, and I'm yeah. sure that I've got a bunch of spent casings in my in my vehicle. Yeah, yeah this is this is the hunt giveaway for the, the coos hunt giveaway we did. Um, when did we close that? Like September? Yeah, give us some was. background on it. That was September, right? I think it was September. Right, end of September. Yeah, they had, they had the Didn't they have like June through yeah. like all yeah. summer. To yep. So it was all summer, and we closed it in September. So um, Anthony, uh can't remember his last name, Anthony won, and he's from Wisconsin? In- Indiana. Indiana. Indiana, that's right. I always get those two mixed up. From Indiana. So we've been in contact with him. He's bringing his brother-in-law. Um, yeah, he won the hunt. So it's going to be it, – it's – it's an experience to cross and drive I'm sure. the border. It's yeah. like it's a real experience. Yeah. Just how prepared you need to be and just kind of the plans and all this stuff. So we're all, we've been in contact with them. This, you know, going to overnight in Phoenix. They're going to meet us there. We're going to get in the car at 4 a.m. Because you got to make it to the border by 6, right when it opens, so you don't hit traffic. It's like it's it's a whole thing. Gotcha. Is he, he you got, you've been talking to him? Yeah, he's been texting me since he won. And uh, text, we had a phone call the other day or a, a Zoom call thing. But he's super pumped. But it's going to be really interesting to me. Like, like Renzo said, he's like, when you see the Mexican border, it's going to be an eye-opener, you know, and go across for the first time. It's going to be an eye-opener for him because they've never done that before. It's not but, what you see on the news. I'll just, I, I don't know how else to explain it. In what it. sense? But like, like, what do you mean? I've now, I've now crossed the border driving in different border crossings quite a few times. You practically have dual citizenship at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's January, February, I'm pra- practically a dual citizen for the last like six or seven years. Right. Um, but no, it's just, it's not what you see. It's not what you see on TV. It's, uh, I don't know. It's not as like, it's not as chaotic as what you see on the news, mm-hmm. but it's almost more chaotic because there is so much control. Like there is military and border patrol and people everywhere. It's like, it's pretty wild. It's really wild. Is your, is your level of, I would, I mean, I'm, I, this is, I'm sure this is this the way this is is like your level of comfort now is tenfold what it was the first time that you went through. Yeah. Oh yeah. But do you remember the first time that you went through? Were you pretty nerve wracked? 
I wasn't not. necessarily I wasn't necessarily nerve wracked. It's just, but it's the nerve wrack of the unknown. I wasn't nerve wracked yeah. about like going to Mexico. Sure. Right? I, I mean, yeah, it, that yeah. stuff. It's so overblown. The yeah. way here's how I explain it. Right, we live in Las Vegas. Would I drive on D Street and Mar- Martin Luther King at midnight? Like, would that be smart? I live in the States, in Las Vegas. Like, would that be a smart decision for me to drive on D Street and every, Martin Luther Every King? night you're down there. Every night at midnight. <laughs> like, of course not. It's not <laughs> just not a smart thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. There's just, you, you kind of have to know where you're going and what you're doing, and then you just plan accordingly. But, I mean, it's a beautiful drive. Like, I mean, an absolutely, it's probably one of the prettiest drives I've ever done. And I, that's like driving through all the crazy canyons and all that stuff, going to Colorado, driving through... You know all the book cliffs, uh, that Green yeah. River stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that stuff's sure. so beautiful. And what's it like? What's it this like? What's the to- what's the topography like? Is it mountainous? Is it open dead, desert? Dead flat, Saguaro, Ocotillo, gotcha. Choya flat, ocean. Like it is. It yeah. is beautiful. Exactly. Beautiful. I am, but I wanted to say though, I do kind of feel cheated in a way, because the first time I went down was ten years ago with Jay Scott, and I yeah. brought my bow. Mm-hmm. And I shot that big cooch with my bow. So I haven't. And then this time, the rifle's already down there. So both times now, I've been cheated out of going through the military checkpoint thing with the rifle. I kind of want to experience You're it. You're not being cheated. You, it is literally, you literally pull off to the side. to the. But the one we had to go through before, we had to go in a separate military thing after the fact. And you had to walk. You had to like park after you crossed the border and then walked all the way across. And so I had to sit there while all the cool kids with rifles did it and they're like give a bow and i'm like yeah and he's like yeah you need to go over there yeah so i said i sat there and they get to go experience and they were gone for a long time that's so they were I gone was, for a long time how i know what happened here's the experience that's an ex- that's a life ex- you you parked for me i missed out on twice now take I mean, your I, gun you don't even got to use it just, life, just take what life is about experiences see what happens life is about experiences but i'm gonna tell you right now what the experience is and then you won't feel like you missed out on anything you park in a very certain place because you have to check in a uh permitted item yep. this one has to be checked in with the militia so you get a militia agent and then they take you over you go in there they go through all your gun permits and you literally sit in a room and talk and hang and they out they just sweat you just like no they be, don't they don't with question they're they're not even with you <laughs> they just you're at a stainless steel desk with yeah. the only, the only time they're with you is on the gun on the permit itself the paperwork they check that against the rifle and yeah. scope to make sure all the, both the serial numbers match and then you never see them again for like an hour and a half, and then they come back and then say, "Okay, you're good." It's literally that simple. It just takes it, it takes though? a long time. Is it? I just wanted to. After, after to they cut you loose from the border and you're driving, yeah. I mean, you're just. Do you know? You know where? I obviously you know where you're going. At oh, this, yeah. at this yeah. point, you have a good idea of like roads where you're supposed to. I mean, go. I could drive it at night, at- but I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I could eat very easily with no GPS, no nothing. Sure. It's real. It's yeah. really simple. Yeah. What's the process of coming back in comparison oh, I will, to I going? I will say this too. Brady, do you have a very good spare tire? Yes. You do for sure. I mean, we should mention that, that I'm taking the old Chevy Silverado. Well, we have like a rock, baby. She's going to go from, she's basically, been, oh, she has. That truck's been all the way to Northern British Columbia. That's awesome. And now it's going to go all the way to Mexico. Yeah, that's awesome. Like pretty far south too. So I was, I was doing a little prepping last night and getting all our, you know, yeah, charge cables and battery cables. And yeah, you probably spare tire you, you probably don't want to break down real bad. I got here, my little infl- inflator, little. Yeah. So here is the experience of the drive. You will go from the most immaculate highway you've ever seen, <laughs> like pavement. 
everything. Yeah. And literally out of nowhere, where like the view is the best, where you, you know what I mean? Just like it doesn't make sense why it's there. Mm-hmm. You will literally go into the worst road, at, literally out of nowhere. Nice. So like you'll be cruising 90. No problem. Nicest highway you've ever seen. Pavement lines, everything is just immaculate. Christine. And then just out of nowhere, four foot potholes and all kinds of shit. Drive, you got like have to drive into oncoming traffic lane to get around potholes that are literally too big to drive through. It becomes an adventure it, straight oh, away. Oh, it's an adventure. What's the population like just across the border? Is there a border border town or do yeah, you, are you pretty much desert? There's always a border town on, on mm-hmm. all the border crossings just because yeah. American on the American side, yep. militia and military, and then Mexican on Mexican side, militia. So there's always big towns right there. Um, stop and do some sightseeing? But, but the, second, <laughs> the second we get out of... Usually, the second you get out of a border town, you really never hit a big town ever again. Gotcha. How far of a drive are you looking? Like, are you driving it's, from that so point? So, south of the border, it's about three and a half. So, once we hit the border, it's about three and a half south. So just straight south. Yeah. If you, if you ever had, speaking of like jumper cables and all that stuff earlier, you ever had to... Uh, yeah, break down. Break down. I just did last trip. Because of the... Change of tire. Because knock on wood, first time I went, we got a flat. I think we got yeah. two flats, actually. Every, we'll, we'll have a flat in the convoy, for sure. Wow. That's just like a given. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a total given the given. conditions. Yeah. But that's, I mean, you just, right. I've got a, I've got a, uh, air compressor. I've got tire kit, got uh tractor jack. You just make it as easy as possible. Yeah, right? Impact wanna... drill. Like you just, you become a, a, a NASCAR team. You know what I mean? <laughs> like everyone helps. That's everybody, why, everybody in your vehicle has a job to do. Well, and that's why the convoy, you, everyone's got radios is cause like yeah, no hey. one keeps going. You all stay right, together. Yeah. So like if that does happen, pull off to the side, you literally become a NASCAR team. Everyone helps where they can get the tire changed. See you later. Gotcha. But yeah. Last time. Uh, yeah. I blew a tire last trip. Brady, are you going to bring me back a souvenir? What kind of souvenir? Oh, I got a, I here's know. a funny story. Something fun. Get, get creative. <laughs> Here, here's a funny story. <laughs> Maybe I will. <laughs> Clay, Clay Bundy and Parker Fails. Do you guys know Parker Fails? The I know Fales the family name. and Clay Bundy. They are literally, I won't do it enough respect in, in words right here on the podcast, but they are the greatest people on planet Earth all the way through. They're as good as it gets. And we were down there, this is what, two, three trips ago now? And, uh, he and Clay Bundy was driving. Parker was in the truck with him. They didn't have a radio in their truck, and they were the last truck. Terrible teamwork on our side. Yeah, All the should, lead trucks, the nobody middle. really paid attention. I was all of a sudden looking in my rearview mirror, and I get on the radio. I'm like, hey, you know, last guy isn't behind me anymore. So we all pull around and go back, and it's like there's quite a gap. Like we're driving back for a ways now. And if it was a blown tire, they – I mean, those guys change sure. tires every two seconds with where they hunt, yeah. you know what I mean, on the strip. Mm-hmm. Like, they break shit all the time. So, like, as we're hauling ass back south, this, this is on the way back home, so we're headed north. Now we're all turned around going back south to see where they are. We finally, coming up over these hills, over these hills, nothing, nothing. Finally, we break a hill and we see them in the distance. We all pull up. We're like, what the hell happened? Like, what? Did you, like, completely break down? No, we blew a tire. I'm like, all of us. You know, there's four or five other cars, Jay Scott's car, my truck, a bunch of other people. Like, well, how'd you not change a tire in 30 minutes? Like, you guys are yeah. the best NASCAR team. Well, they so they parked on a hill. Everything's, like, uphill going back home, right? When you're going north, it's mm. it's all sloped down to the south. And, uh, well, they got their, their spare tire out of the bed and just kind of set it there. 
and then they went to working on jacking up the truck and taking the tire off. They look and the tire's gone. So they're all tire looking around, down the looking around. Yeah. So Parker, Parker had set the tire to where it actually could roll yeah. and roll south. So they're looking. The tire is hundreds of yards <laughs> down the highway. So Parker has to run down the highway, get it, and then hand roll it all the way back to the truck. And like, oh, okay, that's why it took an hour. Got it. So we don't, you know, that's just little. That's funny. Try not to make little mistakes. I guess. Yeah. Mm. That was pretty funny though. Yeah, that is funny. So you talked to the homeowner. He's excited. They're really excited. He's been texting me so much. He shot a, I think he shot a buck this year with his bow. He's the funny thing is they're strictly bow hunters. Yeah, they never ever probably rifle hunt, right? Never rifle hunted. They've been. They said they've been out west. I think once or twice they've been Montana, yeah, Colorado. Right. Yeah. They haven't killed anything though. And they've been insiders for I think two two plus years. Yeah, over two years. Yep, they've been insiders yeah. over two years. But been they've been the out product. west. That's what brought them, insider brought them to, you know, shameless plug here, brought them to Colorado and Montana. They mm-hmm. wanted to go elk hunting. They figured that out. They've been archery elk hunting in those two states. Um, but when we get there, Brady's going to put them through Brady Miller Rifle Shooting School. Oh, you are? Yeah. yeah. They've been, they've been That's asking really cool. Yeah, they've be been cool. asking me all these questions about shooting rifles. I didn't see that in the winner's packet. Like, no, this no is, it wasn't. This is a extra freebie. perk. We, yeah. we could have flown that on its own. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. No, this is this is a freebie. We're going to get to the ranch pretty early. That's actually really cool. And we're going to take the first day to just get comfortable with gear. I mean, they're, they're whitetail hunters, right? Yeah. Tree stands and all that stuff. So we're going to get them comfortable with, well, Brady. I'm just going to watch and probably have a Takata or something. And, uh, <laughs> I think watch. you should just step in occasionally with a cigar in your mouth and just ring the steel at a thousand. <laughs> or I should just drive Brady crazy and be like, no, no, that's not that's how you not do that. Right. That's not right. Yeah, that's Don't not do how that. I do it. But. <laughs> yeah. Kind of trailed to me on the audit, huh? He's like, oh, yeah, that was a little low. And I'm like, I didn't even say anything. Have you seen that scene? Because yeah, I crunched the audit. And Trail's trying to rib me like I, like is, I made a bad shot. I'm like, it is hilarious. And I hope. <laughs> I get I, so I, mad. I, sadly, I know it's not going to come off to everybody. Yeah, it the won't way tra- it should. It won't, it won't completely translate. Because, uh, but I know you two so well, and I think anybody who listens to the podcast and every like knows this dynamic so mm-hmm. well. It is hilarious. <laughs> that whole scene is perfect. That was my favorite. Oh, he even says something. Did just go? He's like, "Oh, he looks a little low." And then yeah. I, come, I come walking up, and I'm. He's like, "How'd it go?" And I'm like, "He makes it seem like the audit like ran away or still alive." And I'm like, "Yeah, so I watched it die." He's like, "Really?" Looked a little low. And in the look on your face, <laughs> it is the perfect dynamic. That yeah. is that is caught in the moment, the dynamic between all Completely of us. Completely deadpan. Then, then, then you see what happened when, when I went to shoot his with him. Like I, I knew like, I crushed it. Yeah, but like, I, I even, I even <laughs> told him. no doubt. Well, I knew it too. But I said, yeah, Trail, you crunched it. You couldn't put the bullet any better. And like Trail comes up to me like, oh, yeah, look, look like I made a hit a little low. That's <laughs> oh, the best. I'd love it's to give you best. some shit. I know. And it, it comes off so well. I hope I hope people it's take you can that take for it. what it is. Yeah, it's true. And you also have to understand that, like, um, and I think most people are like that, you really only give shit to your buddies, right? Of course. They, it's they true. Really That's true. Uh, the... There's a saying going around on social. Social is a, not the best place, but every once in a while you see something. And I've, it is such a true saying where true friends talk shit to each other's faces but cheer behind their yeah. backs. Like that is, there's no better friend than that. Like yeah, that's sure. how you know if somebody's really your friend. Yeah. If they're giving you shit, they're yeah. your friend. Yeah. If I'm not, you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you should probably wonder. <laughs> uh, no, that's cool. So that's why I'm really excited because they've been texting me about what distance to be practicing with a rifle because they've been. I think borrowing some rifles and practicing this winter. 
trying to get all dialed for it, asking me a bunch of gear questions. And like, it's going to be that. such a foreign concept for them. This whole entire hunt's going to oh, be yeah. so memorable. Especially well, they, going after a coos in yeah, Mexico. For sure. they, uh, they saw, because we posted on Go Hunt, so Adam and I went to the range. I wish it was Brady, but Brady was hunting, of course. Uh, so Adam and I were out at the range, and we doped the guns out to 900. Mm-hmm. And they text Brady immediately, like, hey, are we, are we going to have to oh, shoot? And we're like, no, dude. You're not going to have to shoot literally just for the math. You have to qualify. It's yeah. literally just to validate the math backwards. Like, yeah. no, not definitely not that far. 900 yards. Yeah. Yikes. So I got a statement for you guys that I keep hearing on. Again, we're talking about social. Mm-hmm. We're going to Mexico. We're hunting coos. People always say, that. The only people that go to Mexico to hunt coos are the ones who can't kill big coos in Arizona. What do you think about that? I've never heard that before. You never heard that? Never heard I that. Heard that all the time. Every single person who goes to Mexico, I read the comments. That's usually what it is. Or some funny meme page is talking about. Yeah, the only people that go to Mexico are people who can't kill big coos in Arizona. And here's my thoughts behind that. <laughs> oh, the pe- like I get fired up about this. <laughs> well, Wait, I have a very I've only been to Mexico once. And I just, I, don't. I can't tell if you have an opinion. Or <laughs> yeah. oh, I, have a, I have a great opinion on this. <laughs> yeah, run with it. So, so my opinion on this, people who go to Mexico are the people that don't want to hunt coos in Arizona and want to use their points wisely and hunt the better species in Arizona, which is mule deer. Why would you burn them on coos when you can go to Mexico and shoot a bigger coos? So it makes just, sense... <laughs> To do that, yeah. people are like, "Oh yeah." I just don't have an. I mean, I I, I see a, I see a shit ton of deer come out of Mexico that are coos deer that you know, like you could hunt in Arizona. I just see it as an extra opportunity to go someplace and hunt. Yeah, I have and, a very simple answer to this. And Not even like no yeah. attitude or anything. I can't hunt Arizona in February. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like also, so simple to me. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you tell me I can go on a hunt, I don't care where it is. Like if it's some time where I can't hunt anywhere else, yeah, I'm going. I think if if you have the means to go to Mexico and hunt coos deer or mule deer, and it's something you want to do, knock yourself out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't see really any difference between that and Arizona. This, this is again though, coming from Arizona people, which you know they got they suspect. It's very, very opinionated, <laughs> and it's the coos it's the coos hunting crowd, Dude, which coos, also. Or it's like a cult following. The coos crowd is hardcore. I mean, they I got kill, a lot they, of respect. They for kill them. some big coos in Arizona. They kill some big coos in Mexico. I know. But that's just hunting is hunting. That's, that's, what, that's the way I think, too. And it's like, Why? okay, well, they're not hunting in Arizona. They're going to Mexico for an opportunity. So they're not taking away your coos opportunity in Arizona. So you should be thankful that there is people willing to go to Mexico to hunt coos yeah. rather than try to draw a tag. And I'm just state. not coos crazy enough to, to go to well, Mexico, I don't think. I or, or Arizona. I've done it a couple times, but not. I am going to use my Arizona points for coos. 100% I'm going to. I've been so fortunate with mule deer in other places. Like, I've re- I don't know. I've, I'm not going to wait my whole life to hunt mule deer in Arizona one time for one place. Well, the you thing is, I mean, is, I mean you, you say the, the better species in Arizona, but arguably the better species in Arizona is coos. Is other coos than, deer, if you're other north than of maybe the ditch, two, then, two, three units. Yeah, if you're north of the ditch, then yeah, it's a so, different story. But. But, but to 99% of the people, if you were looking at, and we're going to get into costs and applications a little bit later, but if you're looking at Arizona real objectively, the best use of your points is for coos deer. Do you think that? Fully, yeah, honestly, yeah, I do. Do you think people who get on their over counter tag are like, "I'm going to go down there hunt coos deer. I'm going to hunt mule deer." Oh, I think they think they're going to go well, hunt mule deer, but what? Yeah, it, exactly. It, well, it depends go. on that's your. That's that. That's that OTC thing, though. But they can your hunt them points. Everywhere. But your points, if you're banking points and doing that, like I, I want to hunt a specific coos unit one one time in my life. It's the best coos unit, and I'm gonna. I have enough points to draw it either next year or the year after. Finally, and then from there, I'm going to draw a coos tag every two or three years on mm-hmm. some 
you know, the relatively decent units because they are the, <laughs> so I, I mean, if you look at it that way, they are the more opportunistic, better species of Arizona because you have so much more opportunity for And good, as far as trophy potential hunts. goes, they're far and away. Your, your odds of killing a big coos deer in Arizona are oh, better yeah. than they are killing the, a big coos deer same thing. for sure. Yeah. yeah. And in I, the meantime, I'll be in Mexico. And their populations are doing great. Yeah. And in the meantime, I'll be in Mexico. And when I draw the Arizona tag, I'll hunt in December, and then I'll go back to Mexico in February. Just yeah. another opportunity. Mm-hmm. I was looking at it the uh, other day, and like you said, you can draw it relatively easier. Like, I can draw every single coos deer tag in Arizona right now except for four units. I can draw every single one except for two. Yeah. So I have, like, plenty of points. Yeah. And the ones that are above, yeah, sure, they might be great. But, like, I can still find one that's equally as good. Yeah, I'm in a no-man's land on, on that, though. Like, I'm, I'm two points away. So I'm yeah. going to ride it out to just hunt it one time. And then from then on, I'm going to draw every two to four years. Yeah, I think I'm three three points away. Yeah. I'm right and I'll, I'll be in Mexico in the meantime and on the year that I have that tag as well. But I'm going to hold strong. Yeah. You're going to hold strong? What made you bring that up? Do you got a burn in your saddle about that? People that say that? No, I think it's, I think it's funny how people are just jealous about things in life. And it's like, <laughs> if you have the means and you save up money, you want to go to Mexico to hunt or you want to go anywhere to hunt, like you said. Yeah. People just like to poke fun and sometimes I just like read it and I'm like I see why you're saying it but also do you see why you're saying it like yeah you're really not making much sense these guys are want to have an opportunity they want to be able to hunt in February because maybe they have other things going on or their kids are doing something and people go down there aren't as good as hunters because they can't kill big deer in Arizona so they go to Mexico so I really no, don't another opportunity Who cares? I really don't give a shit how big like what, how big a certain one is. I just a good representation of a coos and yeah. more opportunity, the better. Before we move on from Mexico, I did want to ask, do you think, Lorenzo, because you got the most experience going down there, do you think more people should look at Mexico? Do you think more people could go to Mexico? Like what is, I mean, I think a lot of it is, I mean, even me as I talk, there's this like inherent like fear of Mexico, you know, like we talk about crossing the border. We talk about driving, you know, at night, yeah. there's like these built up like negative feedback things coming from that. But like your experience sounds pretty basic. Oh, it's you great. do the same things. You plan ahead. It's enjoyable. It's not, it's not, you run it's, your checklist, you know what to do. So, I mean, in your opinion, do you think more people ought to be looking at Mexico? It genuinely, is, it is an enjoyable experience. There are things you have to think about. Like I compared it to driving, on certain streets here in Vegas at midnight. It's just not smart to do that no matter mm-hmm. where you are, right? So just knowing those things. But the experience is, it is genuinely enjoyable. It is, yes, I think more people should be looking at it. Jay Scott and Phil Kramer, the the guys that I got connected with to find my my ranch down there, it is, they have amazing opportunities for DIY coos hunts that are generally affordable. Like when you when you look at tag costs and things here in the West and, all that stuff. I mean, I'm not going to say they're cheap by any means, but they are generally affordable. They're going to be in the 3000 to 6000 range, depending on how big the ranch is that you're going to. And, and a lot of those are self, you could do self-guided, that's right? All, that's DIY. I mean, that's what this yeah, is. This is a DIY. Right. It's so fun. It's just another opportunity to go, to go hunting. Right. And it's, it's a controlled, it's a controlled environment. Once you're there, like there's, it, once you're there, you're there. It's a controlled environment. It's no different than hunting in the anyway. States. It's mm-hmm. literally no, once you're there hunting, it is no different. No different than hunting five miles north of the border. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I genuinely mean this, and I'm straight up, I would way rather hunt far Three south, hours south of the border than yeah. on the border in gotcha. the States. Like the border is, that's the, Hot that's spot. the zone. Mm-hmm. That's the, you know, that border, you, you want to be far north or far, far south. You don't 
don't want to be right there on the border. Mm-hmm. So I want to be up towards That's Canada. The <laughs> you yeah. want to be in Canada? It's Canada, okay. Um, Friendly, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I genuinely think people looking for Western hunting opportunity. And the cool thing about these these guys, Anthony and his brother in law, coming out here, going to Mexico with us, is you know they've they've started to Western hunt through Insider, doing these archery elk hunts and all this. There is nothing more Western hunting based as far as strategy, tactic, spot and stock mm-hmm. than coos deer. It is the most Western you can get. Yeah, did you compare it a lot to antelope hunting? Because I think antelope hunting is always that like break in species that like you should go if you want to go on a first question hunt maybe you should go antelope hunting because it's laid back it's you drive around you can probably, see a lot of animals probably a little more advanced than antelope. It's going to be more because of the glassing it, aspect it, probably it's your glassing and it's in the your, mountains. Like you're it's, it's most like western. Like when I think western, I think elk and antelope. These mountains elk. are. Did you hear that? Yeah. Okay, oh. moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the, the the mountains. I mean, where these where you these coos live? I mean, granted, these mountains aren't fourteen thousand feet, but they are pretty gnarly. Like we're we're gonna be glassing up coos bucks with bighorn sheep, like that's where they live on. Do you think you see some bighorn sheep? Oh, for oh, sure, that's awesome, hundred percent. That's what's cool. really cool. What's really cool about the bighorn sheep, not to get too scientific on anybody, but there's this strip of where these bighorn sheep live, where we're going. It is the last truly native bighorn sheep in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Nothing's been introduced. Nothing's been pen raised. Nothing's been. It is, this is the last, this, this strip of mountains. It don't make sense visually if you were to see these strip of mountains, but on this mainland towards the coast of Sea of Cortez, there's this strip of mountain range, and it's the last native bighorn sheep of Mexico. What are these deserts considered? Mexicali, I Mexicali? believe, but don't quote me on that. Don't, do not quote me on that, but that's what I would. I'm going to quote you. Because I don't think they're. (laughs) I'm writing it right now. Mark that down. Because Baja would be on the peninsula. See right here, Joe? I wrote that down. (laughs) I'm not a sheep. I'm not a sheep guy. Jay Scott is, but I believe they're Mexicali. That's cool. That's cool that you'll see sheep. And see some good ramps, too. What an an experience. We will be glassing up coos deer with bighorn sheep. That's awesome. Very cool. It's it's an experience down there. Like, I highly recommend and the cool thing is we'll have Luke there yeah. recording videos. So we'll be able to capture their, you know, facial expressions, their excitement throughout the whole thing. They're, yeah. And I get it. Look, just one last thing on Mexico. I get a lot of shit for, oh, must be nice, you know. <laughs> I mean, must be nice to go down to Mexico, spend all that money. I mean. It is nice. Yeah, awesome. it is. <laughs> it's, 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 it, it People is. go to Mexico, the ones who can't kill big deer in Arizona. I, I genuinely <laughs> appreciate I'm saying that word a lot today, but like really appreciate the opportunity and you know chance that i have to go down there it doesn't take away from the fact that it is a good opportunity that doesn't ex- exist for other people mm-hmm. who who other if they want to do it you know what i mean yep it's a great it is a phenomenal place to hunt yep and i mean spend spend your money where you want yeah it's the american way yeah or you, you know, spend it on coke what do you yeah or you but yeah you buy celsius is right keep yourself awake yeah like, like lorenzo's drinking there my my utah coffee there you go we're going to jump all over this podcast we've got an array of topics obviously mexico and cover that talk about it we should probably hit promo though we're probably at least 20 minutes deep i would assume i can't see the clock now by the way oh (laughs) yikes it's close it's close close yeah we're within 25 minutes right do you want to hit us with a promo promo code so like we were saying you know, application season we got right here, and we're talking about Anthony and his brother-in-law. How basically they used Insider to, you know, plan their first Western hunts because of Insider. They were able to go out west and chase some dreams. So it's cool that we're gonna, you know, be with them on that hunt. But if you guys want to do your same thing, 
chase some dreams across the West, find tags to draw, find hidden gems, find opportunities, find your chances to draw, read some application strategy articles, just find places to go with your family. Use promo code podcast when you sign up for Go Hunt membership and he'll get 50 points back in the Go Hunt gear shop. That's $50. Brady's Brady's famous for talking about finding hidden gems. Mm-hmm. Like he's a yeah biologist. He is a biologist, fucking nerd. But you know, <laughs> true. But yeah. hunting is not that hard to go do to find the opportunities. There's really so many isn't. opportunities, and that's what Insider does. It's like it's really not that hard to go hunting. I know a lot of the times we all make it sound like it's pretty difficult because at some levels it is. But just getting into hunting and going hunting newly and other uh, new opportunities in other states, it's really not that difficult with the use of Insider. I think part of that is, uh, like, I think we're protective of, like, our, I think just, you know, traditionally, like, hunting was this thing that, you know, it was kind of a manly thing that we all went out and we did and, you know, provide for the thing, yada, yada, you know, the whole shtick. And there's like this little bit of like protectiveness, I think, of maybe our egos that we're like, man, this is oh. the, the damnedest, this is the hardest damn thing on the planet. <laughs> and it is like challenging. You'll you'll challenge yourself. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say that you're not, but actually planning and going on a hunt, it's it's really easy. It's real doable. I did a podcast yesterday with another guy, and you know, a lot of the questions he was asking me were elk hunting related, and you know, he's relatively new he's been hunting whitetail for a few years he's coming out west and he's like asking me questions about all these things you know like wind and all this stuff and i was just like well man it's like i listen back to it i think about my answers to it and i'm like man this is like some of the most basic stuff ever it's a lot of it's just relatable like if you hunt whitetails you play the wind yeah you know getting a tag those kinds of things like all that information's available to you and it's not it's it's not nearly as hard as you might mm-hmm think like i think we same with mexico we've built up this no it's not idea hard that it's at all. this tough thing to do it's not hard at all mm-hmm. but there, there's just there's levels to it just like anything in mm-hmm. life right at brady's level it is hard it is difficult drawing that many tags in that many different states and chasing these things he's been chasing for so long but that's where he's at his at and your career of hunting right like mm-hmm. but if you're just looking to go hunting for the first time in a new state and just want the opportunity for it pretty easy yeah like what was it's it it's like really simple a couple of years ago uh i think it was the year i did the mule deer sabbatical <laughs> but i did not that i did not take a mule it's deer like, he says that like it's a chapter in the yeah. bible yeah. Or some <laughs> i mean it's a big moment in my life sabbatical. someday when i finish some book i'm trying to write them you know maybe i'll be writing about the mule deer yeah. sabbatical like it's it was a thing yeah. like i was like you know professor was, and going on sabbatical a, do some research uh, I think that year I had five or six mule deer tags. Mm-hmm. Like literally had five or six yeah. mule deer tags, but I turned in a bunch of them because I had too many. But that, but like, that is difficult to draw that many tags. You really got to play a crazy game and look mm-hmm. at for those nuggets of Yeah, but the, but, but the thing, same time though, they were all easy, relatively easy to draw. Like I was picking up tags in other states that people don't think about. Yeah, true. Like Very true. Easy, you know, the leftovers, I can pick up a couple of different states. Like multiple states, I had two mule deer buck tags because you can do that if you really figure it out. Like mm-hmm. there's opportunities there. And so it's like, I had so many tags, I turned them in. So like when people say like, oh, I can't find opportunities. Well, use Insider. You literally can. And you find, like I say, hard. the little hidden gems. There is hidden yeah. gems out there that we're all, you know, I chase every single year trying yeah. to get something cool. But the other thing we're trying to change too is we always talk about research, right? Like, like do you, you're doing, like you're doing a term paper? Yeah. Do you feel like it's research? 
It's, I, it's I not really research because it's what I'm into. Yeah, like, it's I like, like to, it's it's interesting to me. I'm like I'm trying to find something that's really important to me I, that I value. So it's like I, I like it. It's not really like it's not like I'm researching you know photosynthesis. No, for, right. You it, know, I would for a term it, paper or something. I would compare it. We always use the term research. I would more compare it to like <laughs> me reading a sports article about something I'm genuine, genuinely yeah. interested in. So I just said the about? word again. I really need to stop stop saying it today. Um, or like house surfing on Zillow, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like looking at houses and seeing what kind of stuff. Yeah. What kind of style people have. It's <laughs> interior decorating. Yeah. Me and my wife will, you know, we'll just sit down and look at houses in random places in gotcha. the U S and like, Oh, that one's cool. This one, I would compare it more to that where you're just kind of passing time and finding things along the way. Yeah. Right? So could we change the name? I don't is know. There, is there something else out there that we could adopt? Instead of research? Instead of research? I don't know. Kind of, Cruising, cruising, cruising <laughs> surfing, surfing. I don't know. Hmm. I heard something the other Shopping. day. This is a little tidbit, kind of go along with some of this n- new stuff. I listened to a new hunter the other day, uh, kind of explain, and I don't know if it really red- registered ever or like resonated like it did when I heard this person say it. But they, they basically said they're looking at their tag, their opportunity to come out west. Um, I think people get really bogged down and like if I go out, if I if I do. You know, if I do the surfing, I find my tag, <laughs> I find my opportunity to go hunt, I get my tag and I've invested the money into it to go hunting and I go out and I hunt and they feel this like pressure to, I, I have to make the most of this. This is my one chance, you know? And I think this person was explaining it. Like if you look at that and you're new to hunting the West, if you're coming out on a mule deer or an elk hunt, um, if you're looking at it like pass fail, if you don't get one, like you failed, that's like the wrong way to look at it. And I think if this person explained that they look at that opportunity to go is, is the experience is the success. So, you know, you come home without an elk, it was a success. You know, if yeah. you, you learned something, you, you did a trip, you did an adventure. Um, I think a lot of the time we get real bogged down into like, if we didn't succeed, if, and that's the goal, I get it. You know, believe me, I know, I know how bad I want it when I'm out there, but I, I think I don't spend nearly enough time thinking about, uh, a hunt being a success just for the experience that it was, you yeah. know, my time to get away from work, you know, get away from everyday life, get out, disconnect from reality a little bit and just kind of hunt, be in the woods and, and hunt and see animals. Yeah. So I've gone empty plenty of times. We all have. Yeah. Right. But success to me is, is always been, if I enjoyed it enough that I would do it again, mm-hmm. like that was, that would always be my definition of success. Yeah. Was that a fun enough thing that I would go try it again? Yep. I agree. You know. Yeah. And on I, I, in, in terms of a vacation, it's cheaper than a lot of vacations. It's better than a vacation. <laughs> yeah. It's way better than a vacation. Yeah. And it's like I enjoy eating tags. Like I've eaten, I've eaten a lot of mule deer tags recently because I just haven't found giant deer. What's your favorite recipe? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Grind yeah. that up and put it in your meat with every, with with your back straps. Yeah. But it's like you know, I enjoy the chase. I enjoy trying to find a big old mature deer and I'm happy to walk away, but I'm also at a stage in my life where I'm a little bit more happy to walk away. I mean, yeah. if I was younger, I would definitely feel a little bit differently. If I hadn't shot anything mm-hmm. yet, it might seem like a failure, but like, yeah, you just got to take it, like I said, for what you're looking at. You're looking at adventure side. You're looking at just going out there and challenging yourself, challenging your mind, challenging your body, or do you want to punch a tag? I just think it's good to have like a little bit of perspective from time to time, mm-hmm. you know? For sure. Put yourself, you know, back in that place. Kind of take it for what it is. And it is hard to have perspective around here. For sure. With everyone out in the field and everyone's yeah. got a tag somewhere good usually. 
I mean, Ethan sheep tag this year. Yeah. You know, you kill a buck of a lifetime this year. Brady draws his elk tag plan. It's hard to keep perspective around here, but that is what it comes down to is, I mean, really in the general day-to-day life, like the perspective is just going hunting. And yeah. that's not the hard part. Finding tags, finding opportunities, it's not the hard part. And then enjoying it when you're out there, right? That's mm-hmm. the success of it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, rest of the podcast, we're going to talk. We're going to kind of jump around. Like I said, you guys have been to SHOT Show lately. Mm. I was curious as to how... That sh- we have. <laughs> that we have. I was curious as to how SHOT Show went. And I've had people ask me, like, oh, did you go to SHOT Show? What did you see? What do you like? You know? And I didn't go this year. I, I've, it's been actually a couple of years since I've been to SHOT Show. It's not my favorite show. I'll say that. <laughs> um, so I was curious as to you guys. What did you see? What did you like? Anything jump out at you? Well, you already answered right there. Just... It's overwhelming. <laughs> as, a, as a guy who loves guns, I love rifles, love everything about it, reloading, shooting. Was it about the same this year as far as layout, where it feels mm. like it's just spread out? It's I mean, the same you, thing. You, you might walk hour. by a backpack that you're or something that you're interested in, a knife. You know, I I remember the times that I've gone. You might walk by like an outdoor edge booth and you stop and you look at like knives, see what they've got going on, and then you're gonna walk by like 15 AR parts and pieces yeah. of booths and then you might run into zeiss or you might run into you know vortex or whoever it is but is it still kind of the same yes still kind of the same yeah gotcha. yes i wish they'd organize sure. i wished it was like how a would you more, organize it differently i don't know uh, apparently like, i know what i'm doing it seems to be working apparently i'm going to talk about something else i don't know shit about so get myself in trouble here but apparently it's like there's some level of seniority there where like the longer you've had a booth there you kind of like work your way up to be on that second floor yeah. in the main main level yeah so it's not necessarily as i understand it very well could be wrong been wrong a lot but as i understand it like it doesn't matter who you are or what you're selling what you're doing if you've had a booth there for longer than and something comes available on the second floor you have first shot oh gotcha to get if you've been it. participating so, for so that's why it does kind of feel like mm. that does but that make sense yeah, gotcha. It's also slightly do those little trackers they have in that when you get your badge at Shot Show, they give you all the trackers. Yeah, and so you See track where you walk. Yeah, everywhere you walk, it'll track everywhere you walk, and you can look at it. Then you can resell that information later on based on these people are more going over to here. They're going around these corners more times. They're going to these big booths. Damn and government. They, then you can charge more money for those booths that potentially get higher traffic. Is that how be, they do that? Yeah, no, I feel like, it's I feel like so it's what what we were talking about when we were there. Like it makes sense. Like you could use that data to then charge booths more money because, like, hey, this corner booth right here, it's going to see a lot of traffic because it's near God, this exit wild. or this entrance, and you're near this other booth that's always been here. So there's more traffic. They're speaking charge yeah. more for it, and that's, that's so why probably that seniority gets built up. But like you can yeah. see that stuff. So we always rip our trackers out. That's <laughs> that I I never really thought about those trackers. But you're you're yeah, entirely makes, right. It makes total a ton sense. of sense. But I also feel like if there was ever a crowd that would be against being tracked, it would be that, that crowd. That's why you, know you can I mean? instantly mm-hmm. grab it and toss it out. I mean, it's probably probably everyone does. Yeah, probably everyone does. What'd you guys see? See anything cool? Yeah, uh, that, that's, the, that's the hard part. Like, so we're going there, we're walking around, talking to you know people that we kind of know. We're selling the gear shop. We're trying to see some new things here and there. Or just have some meetings, you know. So I don't. I think if you did a show justice, you would literally kill your legs, kill your body. The, you the best go. the best times I've ever done is that's what I've done. Is I've gone with absolutely no agenda, no meetings whatsoever, no people to like, you know, catch up with. Mm-hmm. And I've just walked. Yeah. 
Those have been the best ones. Because it's hard because, you, like you said, you walk by everything, everything starts to look the same, everything starts to blend in. All right, some whatever, you know, different gun parts, different guns, different optics, bunch of knives, bunch of stuff that shouldn't be here, but somehow it gets in every year. <laughs> and then, like, you know, it's like you'd have to actually stop and talk to people because there were things that I actually walked by. Um, yeah, when we walked by uh, AMP, yeah. the annealer that I use for annealing my brass, Cody was like, oh, yeah, the, there's your annealer you use, Brady. And I was like, yeah, looks like don't have anything new. And just walked right by. I get home that night. I didn't tell you this, Cody. Get home that night. I see they had a new update for it. They just had a new touchscreen on the annealer. So like you could, I couldn't see that by walking by really fast, but it looked like they said standard. They're just being here at the booth. But like they actually had something new. So if like I would have needed to stop there and talk to them to see it, or I saw it on, the, on Instagram mm-hmm. later. So I think it's really hard to go through all these things. Like, be like, what do you see new this year? And it's like... I would always pick up like the shot show magazines they do four day and I would cruise those mm-hmm. and like look through the products that people picked out and I would try to go check those out. Yeah. It's a, there's a lot in the books and that's what's hard. But like, I think that's how it was cool. Maybe is just, there is more chronographs being built for rifles. I think it's pretty unique. More like you played with the, the new Garmin one. That one's making waves. Yep. Yep. So Adam actually got it earlier and unfortunately I missed out on buying it cause I was on a hunt. <laughs> so they sold like hotcakes and then we ordered a metric ton more. And uh, finally, I was able to get one. Cause I, I, I even used the little notification thing on our website to buy something. People are like, oh, yeah, you guys get free stuff. No, I paid for it. I really paid for it, what I want. I pay for what I love. Like, I love gear. So I literally went on our I website. Bet your ass to, you guys pay for it. I mean, shit ain't being handed out free. Yeah, it's like, been bought by the company. I can promise you. When people look at my gear list and I make fun of my gear. It's like, yeah, I pay for that stuff. It's like, of course. I don't have all the perks in the world. I have some. But like, I literally went on there, clicked the notification, like, send me an email alert when these come back in stock. And I would say, I know everyone here. So I'm like, whenever they come in to let me know as well. So I finally got a hold of one. Must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Must be nice, man. Uh, I, I even posted it on my story and I was like, hey, there's still a bunch left. Sure. But like, yeah, like that Garmin chronograph is amazing. You can just set it up and shoot. Work for Bo? Yeah, work for Bo. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's cool about it. Like my other chronographs, yeah, they work, but I have to set them up and I had to build or buy an off mount thing so it doesn't sit on my barrel for point of impact shift so like the garmin just works is it just just chronograph or does it do anything else that i'm unaware of chronograph chronograph, chronograph, we used we used when we did these mexico guns for this coos hunt we used uh adam's garmin it's so easy Mm -hmm. it's pretty incredible how easy it is just set it up and just right there yeah set it up and it just i don't know it is you know at the point it you don't have to aim it that that, you don't like make it perfect it just works that's cool that's what was cool that other companies came out, like Labrador finally did, and it's like, well. That one's cheaper too, isn't it? The Labrador? No, they're actually the exact same price. It is the same. Yeah. But I don't know if I want to talk about my opinions on the podcast, but like I don't think it's too. <laughs> that's what the podcast is for. Too, uh, Let's get ourselves in trouble. Seems like too late. Too late <laughs> dropping that one. Hmm. And they've had some issues in the past, which that's why I didn't go with that model. I'm sure it's great. People love it. But they always had alignment issues, and now they just released theirs after Garmin did. So it makes me feel like, well, they had to show their hand that they're still existing because those gotcha. things were flying off the shelves at really cheap dollar amounts. But I got to see the unit in person. I talked to the guy. I did like it. It's all metal construction, you know. Supposedly it has a higher beam divergence thing, whatever you wanted to call it, for their little Doppler yeah. deal. But I don't know. Just seeing cool stuff like that and just seeing like people are advancing in some technology stuff to like make a... Did you guys stop in Suaro? Yeah, is your the the new bino that's for birders? Is that my understanding? No. Is there any application to that in the hunting space? I don't think so. 
Do you know? Well, I, I didn't really look too I much into I did not it. go to their booth, but mm-hmm. the Swarovski Optics CEO, right? It was just the, the Optics CEO, right? Mm-hmm. He came by with our rep and someone Stuck else. the office. Yeah, by the office on Monday of SHOT Show. So I wasn't, they came here and I wasn't down at the show and I, I talked to him about that. So it is AI. They're using AI for that, which I think is a really good application of AI within a, uh, you know, with a consumer good, mm-hmm. right? Kind of mixed in the two. And it is just birding right now, but they also have all North American animals. They have everything. Did, so, I mean, what would the hunting, I would hope if somebody has a tag for a moose, they would know what the hell a moose is before. I, I would hope they wouldn't need a bino to tell them I, I saw a lot that of people, it was a moose yeah, and not an elk. I saw a but, lot of people speculating on social media like, okay, next next step is to estimate score. So you look through you look through the bino, click a button, gives you an estimation based on some sort of algorithm. I'm not going to be the one to leak it, and you were the one that said it. We'll just put it that way. God, that'd be wild. So I heard too... Maybe it's just a rumor, but I swear I heard it when I was at the Swaro guys, someone talking, but like it, their program is like open source. So you can add a bunch yes. of other people can. It's open source. Add other shit to it. Huh. It's but open it, sourced AI. And I think I heard too, it's already banned in some states for hunting. Like that technology is already written. Hmm. That you can't use AI shit in there. <laughs> wild, um, wild times. Wild, right? Wild, <laughs> well, it's the wild west of AI. Yeah, that wa- like, wa- where's it going to go? Yeah, know? there's the applications for it are endless. Obviously, you can yeah. do anything. I'm not big on it. I'm not for it. I don't like it. I just I feel like there are certain things where, you know, I don't know. This just, is where I draw uh, my line. It, but it is. It, then you get into the conversation of like, well, then guns and compound bows and all this shit. Mm-hmm. But then, then, I mean, then your truck. Okay, yeah. so it's not it's just walk everywhere, boys. But AI, dude, AI is wildly powerful. Hmm. <laughs> so. Just kind of a weird concept, but yeah, supposedly they have some other applications for hmm. uh, ideas for applications within hunting. Yeah, I mean, it only seems logical you know that they, yeah, they would be looking at it. Did you stop by Browning? Yep. Anything new to report? Yep. So I've actually, I mean, we dropped the video the same day I launched it, but yeah, I had that prototype rifle for a while. Came up with the carbon fiber barrel. They have a really great shooting rifle. So it's lighter than yours. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing like people even were joking on that like what's brady doing can putting you, a, a you, carbon fiber 22 inch barrel and then he puts a they, they quote it as like a four pound scope on top it's not a four pound scope by the way it's four and a half it's, it's, i think it's like 34 ounces <laughs> but, it's not four come on it's five pounds <laughs> but like yeah i don't i wouldn't shoot, I don't, I wouldn't shoot a carbon fiber rifle to, to help save weight the weight savings is minimal minimal mm-hmm. for most people like it just looks cool. I think that's why people like it. People asking about you know carbon fiber barrel from Browning Forever. So they they delivered. They asked. They delivered. So it's a preferred barrel blanks carbon fiber what, barrel. What uh, what was yours chambered in that you shot? Uh, three hundred PRC. Gotcha. And uh, that was the only test one they had available. And uh, the guy not Browning, he had killed a uh, moose and a grizzly with it early in the year. And he's like, Brady, don't mess it up. Like. This gun's been killing a lot of stuff. No bad juju on it. Yeah, so I was trying to take it on my uh, one of my other mule deer hunts. I was only able to take it on my last one with my family. Back crushed a deer at, I can't remember what it was, 325, 350. Deer went like 15 yards and died. But I was shooting big, big bull. I was shooting uh, 
What's that shooting? 225 grain. Oh, wow. Hornady uh, ELD. Damn. Packed a wallop. Yeah. That's bare that, rifle. That, 2.8 pounds. That rifle pounds? scope. Oh, that's the scope. Yeah. What's the gun weigh, do you know? Six pounds, nine ounces. Six pounds, 6.9, I think it was. Gotcha. 69, nice. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Way to go, Brown. Yeah, and there's a lot of different <laughs> offerings, too. Sweet spot and weight. They have some other ones with actual 26-inch barrels, but like I said, I just got the one that they had available, and 300 Piercy was the only one. So, so that's phenomenal. We did a little video where I actually went out to the desert, and you know, I, I, people were like, why don't you do a, a three-shot, 100-yard group on paper? And it's like... Yeah, why didn't you, Brady? Why do I need to? 100 yards is so easy to shoot. And I can stack them in there. Yeah, it's going to be half MOA, three-quarter MOA with the factory gun Maybe because I'm not using reloads. But I was like, I'm going to do it at 900 yards. So I did three-shot group at 900 yards, and uh, two of the shots were touching. And then I was like, well, we're here. Let's send it at a mile. So I have a rock at my little training grounds where it's uh, – 18 inches by 12 inches. So mm-hmm. it's just under a minute of angle or right at a minute of angle actually for the distance. This is because this distance is, it's actually over a mile. So it's 1825. So it's over a mile. And I was like, Cody, let's just adjust my little bag over here. Aim at my rock. And I've never shot this gun at a mile. Let's see what it does. And as well, this is where I've already gotten comments. Like, oh yeah, we knew you Brady won't miss at a mile because it's being filmed. Like we didn't cheat anything here. I even said in the video, like, Cody will sign his life away that this was first shot at a mile with this rifle. I've never shot at it before. And this is on camera. This is the first shot of this. Mm-hmm. Okay. And literally it was like maybe that high above the rock. So like it's right in where it should be. Like mm-hmm. first shot, 1825 with a 22 inch carbon fire barrel. 22 inch? 22 inch barrel, yeah. Short barrel. Yeah, don't short know barrel. What, don't know if that is short or not. But <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've looked at enough barrels to know that they come in 26s, 24s, yeah. and 20, yeah. 22s. 22s. There is. Yeah, it is on the shorter side. But I, I mean, I couldn't tell you why that matters, really. But, <laughs> but, but at least some people are like... Longer is better, right? Always. <laughs> it always is. I'd rather have a 30-inch. but 30-inch yeah, barrel? Yeah, beggars can't be choosers. Mm. Uh, but yeah, like people are like, oh, Brady's giggle after he shot. Like, you can tell it was real because I literally was like, I was even surprised. It mm. is pretty impressive, honestly. What, like you can uh, take a factory rifle, I can stack them in there. Did I'd, you say what they're calling it? Uh, X-Bolt you, 2 Pro McMillan SPR gotcha. carbon fiber. Do you know MSRP? Probably off the top of your head. Uh, I think it's right at 4,000. Okay. And that's, like I said, that's 4,000 for the 300 PRC 22-inch. I'm not sure what the other ones are. They did come out with another one that has adjustable stock, and you can move a bunch of things on and move just the comb, adjust the grip, adjust the forend gotcha. of a stock. And I'm not sure what those MSRP is, but they basically redesigned the X-Bolt and kind of just refined it a little bit. Now they're calling X-Bolt 2, some new features on there. And then obviously the carbon fiber barrel, which I know a lot of people like. Mm-hmm. New offerings. And it's not great. Anything else you saw that was cool? It's Off the top of your head? Did you guys um, follow along with... Uh, I bring this up. I don't know if if they were there or not, but did you guys see this at ATA? There was this. There's a company called Quiver AR or Quiver. It's a it's an app for um, Mac, and essentially, or or your phone, you know, iPhone. But essentially, what you can do is you shoot an arrow into a target, like a 3D target, and it'll pull up on your device, and it'll give you. So you basically hold your camera, or you know, on your your iPad or whatever it is, at the target. And, you know, with your arrow and the target that you just shot, and it will project, it'll show you that target with vitals in it. 
So you can see heart, lungs, you can, rem you can play with the rib cage, remove it, you know, and you know, you can like go back and forth to like, look, to give, give yourself an idea of like where the vitals are on the animal. And it's, it's like specific to the animal. So if you're shooting an elk target, they have an elk, you know, it'll recognize that it's an elk. If you're shooting a whitetail or mule deer or antelope or whatever it is. Um, but it'll basically project, you know, that target with the vitals, rib cage, everything. And you can kind of see where your arrow hit. So the, like in the, the, uh, the video I watched of this guy's like, they were shooting it at, um, you know, like different angles, you know, frontal, um, you know, from an angle on a tree stand, you know, quartering away, quartering two. And I don't know how much you'd use it, but like, it was pretty cool to just like give yourself a, like a very real check on on where vitals are on animals. Sounds awesome. So we need it's, to go. We it's need pretty to go, sick. We need to go back a second here. So you're talking yeah. about are you recording it and it's giving you you can look at afterwards of the animal you killed or is it just no. representations of different animals? Representation of different animals. So okay. I, yeah. The the way that I would see it being used is um you know so you're you're practicing for your hunts you know you're going out and you're shooting you're shooting 3D targets you're shooting from different angles. It's like a frontal shot, right? I mean, how many people I've taken frontal shots I've killed yeah. elk that many of them that way, right? Um, I couldn't say that like I have a divisive aiming, like a for sure aiming point, you know, on a frontal, I just kind of know, mm -hmm. okay, if I hit here and based on my experience, this is where I need to be to kill the animal. Same with like a, you know, quartering away, everybody talks like last rib, aim for the opposite leg and whatnot, but you don't ever really get a chance to like see where your arrow is in relation to organs, lungs, mm -hmm. heart, liver stomach it's pretty cool just to give yourself reference of like okay this is actually what this arrow is doing yeah. and i'm a visual yeah i'm a visual oh. person i, I that's right up my alley that sounds awesome yeah it's, you, it was pretty cool do you remember what it was called because the reason i asked we, we've, we've talked about this technology on the podcast before way earlier than day with neville and because uh, i used to have an app on my phone back in like 2014 2015 mm -hmm. That could do the same thing and then i mentioned the app on the podcast and someone came back and was like hey i looked up that app and it no longer exists anymore and it was actually when we were in uh i won't say the state when i shot that big giant 208 inch deer and lost it with my bow with you we we're actually looking at that app back later that night and you could do similar things you could like tap on it and it would show you the angle mm -hmm. of a projectile going through it mm -hmm. but it wasn't it was very clunky back then apps weren't that great so i'm very interested to know if this is like that company i don't know redone and did it and did things better because I love the idea of that app. Like you're saying, just in the field, you want to see things or you want to be able, if you can tap and if you could tap and go from hide and then guess and like do a little like mm -hmm. game with yourself, tap, remove, hide, go through different layers of everything, get to the bones and then get to the, the you know, internal organs and everything like that'd be super yeah. cool. And then be able to see, like you said, what's the front to look like? What is going through the opposite shoulder? What I thought was cool about this is like, as you're practicing, you're actually seeing your arrow. So like it's, you're, sh you're, it's showing your arrow, projecting your arrow as if it had continued through this animal. Right? Is it just At an arrow? Or you have... I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, it's, they're called quiver. A so quiver and then AR, capital AR at the end. Quiver. E -R. Yeah. AR. Sounds huh? awesome. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I just wrote that down trail. Yeah. You'll have to check it I out. I just learned something very valuable on, <laughs> on today's podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's pretty neat. They weren't there though at shot. You didn't see them. Well, that's the thing again. Those shots so big. So big. Like we're talking about. Like I had multiple friends hit me up, text me, say like, oh, what have you seen? This really cool. My dad called me. He's like, what do you see cool? I'm like, I had to think about it for a long time. I see big giant 50 cows everywhere that I'm like, dang, they're cool. I'd love to have one. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, like what I actually see cool, like in a hunting ba base thing is like, I don't know. You're not going hunting with a 50 cal? Mm. Would you? You would. 
<laughs> you would. I know you would. <laughs> you would. I mean, so like, it's hard hard to say like what's cool at Shabbat. Shabbat's shop, fun. It's you know good to see people and everything. I had nothing but, but meetings from sun up to sundown. Really? So I I couldn't I couldn't gotcha. tell you anything that stood out. Yeah. Like literally. Yeah, not a single thing is like standing out in my mind. Gotcha. <laughs> Other things from ATA. I just I didn't go to ATA. Jared went to ATA uh, here, one of the buyers for our archery department. So I was talking to him and then just looking online. But a couple other things that just jumped, kind of thought was interesting. Uh, so Ultra Arrows, which we'll be carrying, we've made a big wave. We're lately. carrying them? Um, yeah, well, I think we're in talks, right? They're making some big waves. Yeah, big waves. Levi Morgan was a, that a was big a, one. That was a big wave. Yeah, big one. Yeah, but basically kind of they're hanging their hat on is, uh, you know, spine, spineless. Normally when you talk to people, somebody being yeah. spineless, it's a bad thing, right? But I guess Trail arrows spineless. Spine. <laughs> you yeah. spineless little bastard. Spineless. These, these arrows will fit me perfectly. Just perfect. Just right up my alley. <laughs> so how's the expo- yeah. you know, the explanation behind spineless then? Yeah, so an arrow, carbon, carbon arrow, I, even aluminum arrow when they're made, you'll have a stiff side and a weak side. So it's just the way the carbon's rolled or wrapped. Um, so when you tune an arrow and you shoot an arrow, uh, like for example, if you're paper tuning your arrows and you have a dozen arrows, you may go through and paper tune those and you'll have a few of them inevitably that won't shoot a clean hole. And so then you go to knock tuning, right? Mm-hmm. Assuming that you, you've got a tuned bow, you just rotate your knock and then shoot again. And usually you're just trying to find that stiff side of the spine. Do you, ever, d- float, do you ever float in the bathtub with soap no. on the top? That's what I used to do. I've back heard in the so day. much mixed rumors, you know, mixed, I, 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 yeah. dude, did it work for you? I could, I, could, I could literally mark it with a silver Sharpie. On both sides, where the where the stiff side of the arrow mm-hmm. would be, because that's where the, the carbon you know, meets together, mm-hmm. and then pull it out, pull my little plugs out of my arrow, because I had to get little corks from Ace Hardware back in the day in Montana. <laughs> little, baby, drive, little baby, corks. little baby, little baby corks. arrow cork, <laughs> and then I would do the test again, like the next week, and I would get the same thing with that same arrow. Did you paper tune after that, and you found? Good results. And I, could always, and I could always set my exact vein to that exact thing. So every single arrow is a clone yeah. of each other based on the spine of the arrow. And then I could yeah, do so, all sorts so of other to stuff to it. To me, if I'm going to paper tune them anyway, I'll just shoot them through paper and then knock them. I know. It's, I'm just wasting so that, probably So that's wasting what them. I do. Is that, no. I just, You're just getting there quicker. Yeah. Yeah. I'll set all of the arrows up. And that's why I primarily I went to shooting four fletch over threes. It just gives me one more angle to rotate the veins as I'm knock tuning. And uh, I'll just shoot them through paper and I'll paper tune a dozen. But in essence, what they're saying is whatever i don't know their process i don't know what they've got going on as far as they're building their arrows but they're saying that essentially spineless so you don't have to worry about spining your arrows so every arrow out of a dozen of theirs should paper tune should come out of the bow exactly the same way that's the way i understand how does that work though man you got me it's crazy i'm trying to think right now how it could work but seems kind of i mean if i'm honest it seems like a little bit more marketing than anything Uh, but maybe maybe i don't know i'd have to try it to see could you be able to shoot it to tell though? Yeah, that that's that's the only way I would like totally buy into it is if I bought a dozen, set them up, and shot them, and and results. And your group is like the best they've been ever. I don't know if they're going to be the best they've ever been, but it, in essence, really, it doesn't. It, it's just a, a time saver for me, right? Yeah. Like I don't really care. An arrow has a spine. It's I'm just going to have to knock tune. I'm going to have to go through and I'm going to have to knock tune a dozen arrows. Make sure that they're all paper tuned and shoot the same way. And then I'm going to take a silver Sharpie, mark them, spine. So that every time I knock that arrow, I know, you know, the yep. way it's coming out of the bow. So in essence, this would just save me that step if it holds true. But here's the thing about him. I was talking to a buddy. Like I, would, I'm, I know that <laughs> just the nature of who I am, like I'm still going to shoot them all through paper. Yeah. And may, maybe after five or six dozen, if I saw that everyone was in essence spineless that they all shot clean holes they all 
grouped well, then maybe at that point it would just take that extra step out. That's why I say Levi is, is such a big wave mm-hmm. for him to switch an arrow. Yeah, he's been with Gold Tip forever and, and ever. For, yeah, and his ever. his thing, his entire thing was the consistency of mm-hmm. of shot in those arrows because of the spineless thing. Mm-hmm. So like, it's a pretty big wave if you have a guy like him. Yeah, endorsing it. Yeah, I don't. You know, do you see Gold Tip? Do you see Gold Tip's post? About Levi? Yeah, Levi? classy. I thought it was very, very so classy. Well what did they say? They just said, thanks for 19 years and basically wished him all the best. It was Makes me like Gold Tip even more. No. Me too. It was, it was really, really well that's done. That's what they did. That's really, awesome. Really well done. Just Some more companies should do instead of like, oh, I hate this person because they left and like try to like. Complete class. Really makes me like him on, even more. On their part. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I know that they're, they're making a lot of waves. I know that, uh, like, looking at the specs right now, I think, it, for my opinion, they're still a little heavy for what I want to shoot. Grains, How heavy are grains they? per inch. I think they're 10-ish, even for the lighter of their options. But I would assume, I think they've got a tar- target arrow, like a fat shaft, and then uh, I would assume that they'll probably expand, given just the... Ten's actually pretty good because my VAP yeah. TKOs are eleven point one or eleven point four. It's not bad. I mean, you're you're looking at built out like my draw length, my arrow three hundred spine. I'm probably looking at like four hundred ninety five ten somewhere in that neighborhood. Maybe a little bit heavier. Whereas I've been like four sixty to four seventy ish. Yeah. Know? Do you know what the ETA is on those bad boys? I don't. I don't. I do not. Mm-hmm. I don't. The other thing I saw at ATA that I think is interesting is I didn't see like a bunch of like blow your mind stuff, you know, and I don't know if, I don't know, but <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe there just isn't that much more you can go. But uh, this True Ball Ultimate Flex uh, thumb button release, uh, they came out last year with the Executive, which is a hinge, three finger hinge with the flex. You can move the you know, the pinky, the third finger, you can kind of get that to, you know, suit your shooting, um, style. But the cool thing about that was that it has a telescoping head. So the actual shank on the head is telescoping. You can lengthen that or shorten that. It's been, Oh yeah, yeah that'd be sick. Yeah. For a different hand. Yeah. Or how you draw your face. Yeah. Draw length. Yeah. Points. Where you want to anchor, yeah, you know, would... length of D loop. That's, that's really new. They and don't do that on good. a button release, just on the no, hinge? No release. No, no, no release other than these two true balls right now that I'm aware of are yeah, doing yeah. that. Ever. A, that'd be phenomenal. Yeah. So rather than having to cut, retie D loops, yeah. mess with your draw length, all that that goes into it, you can essentially just tinker with, you know, in micro adjustments, the length of the shank on the actual release itself. I would love that. So last year, uh, I think Chris Perkins, that's his. Uh, signature release the executive which is the hinge version of that release this year they have a thumb button version of the release which is they're called the ultimate flex which is pretty how, sick. How, how do they pretty, come up with names for these releases name. when you start thinking I mean, the ultimate releases, flex that's a pretty sick name for a release that right is, it actually is it's like two double entendre or whatever the executive uh, the is that what that is i don't know whatever what that, it is i don't know what it is awesome though yeah but that's cool about it the other really cool thing about that release is it's got rotating there's no there's no uh, like set mechanism, lock mechanism. So you don't, you know, like every other release, you got to put push a button in to lock it, right? This one has three hooks that are rotating, and as the the trigger fires, it rotates through to the next hook and sets itself. So there's no locking mechanism. So you don't have to like push in a lock, you know, hook it over your D loop, push in a lock, or push in the lock, then hook it over your D loop. This basically rotates through as you fire the trigger. So every time you fire the trigger, the thing, it's, it's always ready to fire. 
like completely quiet. Like you don't have to, you don't have to worry about anything. All you got to do is hook it on your D loop, pull it back. That's and, awesome and, too. And thumb button, which is pretty sick. Brady, Brady's wheels are spinning. I can tell. What do you, what do you got? I just think of like maintenance and longevity. I mean, what, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> things are moving. Let, let, things are moving like that. Parts because I've, I've had a lot of archery releases for whatever it reason. Be less, just though, because that, you're dropping the button lock. My, my yeah, understanding is that they remove pieces from it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so what th- I would take it as. There's less moving parts in it. Because I've had a lot of archery releases fail, and it sucks. Oh yeah. It hurts. You'll punch in the face. Yeah. And it's just like I wonder why, like. Did I shoot it enough to to finally break in the guts of the release, and then something broke internally, or is it just a slight you know issue with some of the guts inside there? Or mm-hmm. but it's like when you're tinkering with all that stuff in my mind, I'm like, is it making it better for longevity, or is it gonna maybe go the opposite way, where I'm gonna be at some point where I need to make this shot of a lifetime, and all of a sudden, zoom, and my arrow yeah. goes flying over top of. Stick in the back. ceiling like a pencil in high school, like Omar did. <laughs> yeah, I put one. I've done that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The, the the thing I will say about True Ball, so like this last week, you had the Lancaster Archery Classic, which is a big indoor shoot in at Lancaster. Uh, I watched the, they call it a shoot up, right? So I watched the, the finals for all the different categories. Um, I saw a lot of dudes on the line shooting thumb button, True Ball, uh, goat oh releases. Yeah, or, or these flex releases. So I, I don't know if you're willing to put twenty twenty five thousand dollars on the line with your release, you probably believe in the in the thing. That's so, very true. Yeah, but the, it looks pretty sick. And that I'll tell you uh, uh, what happens in the golf world, though. Uh-huh. I'm not not a big golfer by any means. I'll go blow some time if I have to. But I do know people who are deep in the golf industry, just mm-hmm. friends of mine and contacts of mine. What'll happen in the golf industry? And I'm not saying this is happening in in this archery thing, but they come out with new shit every year, right? New drivers, new mm-hmm. this, new that. The pros are still using their old <laughs> yeah. shit, just yeah. painted new. Right. <laughs> so it look, you know, it's like yeah. they're yeah, using I'm, what they I'm, like, I'm but sure it's just painted in, well. in graphic as the new yeah. stuff. Yeah, I'm sure there's some of that. You think so? Oh, for sure. There's got to be guys. I, I know guys that are shooting like Frankenstein, different releases, you know, that are working with different companies and they've got kind of a spit shine on it. Yeah, and to make it look yeah, like to, a yeah, for one sure, you for sure, buy. some of that's happening. Yeah. I, I, absolutely, I'm sure. Yeah, but. that's what that's what happens. That's yeah. what, what's so funny in the golf world is, oh god, there's a new driver. Let's yeah. all go get it for six hundred dollars. Yeah, which I'm a hunter, so I'm not any smarter because I definitely we'll buy shit or, like that too. But yeah, four hundred bucks. But then too. it's like you know, it's all just smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. You're like, what the hell? Yeah. So you're saying somewhere there's a company out there that basically is like, hey, golf guys, send me your clubs in. I'm going to hand paint them until they match all the other things. And it's like a separate business where you're like. Those companies, well, they're all signed with these companies, right? So they're probably they're signed, signed back with TaylorMade or yeah. Titleist or whatever. They they know, they get new clubs every, uh, all the time, right? Like, or, or resurfaced or whatever you want to say it, like worked on clubs. And they'll just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. dress them up to be the new yeah. one, in quotes, new one. Nice. Yeah. The thing about these releases that I do think is like really neat is that the ability to micro adjust the length of the shank. That is really cool. Like that sounds I, amazing. I have releases that feel to me like they're too, the shank's too short and it, I'm always tinkering with like D loop. You got long hands too. Yeah, D- and I did, I have long palms. Yeah. So it would be nice yeah, to be able to. Yeah. And, and I, that. I think draw length just in, you know, my experience, I think draw length is probably it's probably the most important thing in my opinion to like being able to hold well. Uh, 
and the ability to adjust the shank on your release to kind of match and get what I would consider the best hold for you, I think is pretty cool. Micro tune. Micro tune. Yeah. Yeah. So that micro tune a D loop, I mean, you kind of could, but it gets, it's tough to Mm -hmm. micro tune, micro tune a D loop. Yeah, it's tough. It's like when you're saying this right now, it's like one of those things in my head, like, why didn't I think of that? I know. Yeah. All the years back in the day shooting and like, it was right Mm -hmm. there in front of you, the solution to the problem, Mm -hmm. which you just, obviously it's probably really complicated to to do what they did, Mm -hmm. but like, to like go to a company like, hey, make that shank move around so I can adjust it so I don't have to keep messing around with it or get the perfect feel, perfect draw length. I hope they take this as a compliment because that's where it's coming from. But I'm surprised UltraView didn't do mm-hmm. this first because they they're the ones that are sure. always a step ahead. You know. Yeah. I'm I'm surprised that. Yeah, I'll I'll be interesting to see if it. Uh, and, and again, I don't have one, so I can't say I can't really speak to it and say. But logically, like thinking it through and thinking through my the my own process of you know D loops and draw links and all that to me logically it makes real good sense. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I definitely want to get one and just and tinker with it. It's it's on the list. My my chubby little fingers and how much I shake, <laughs> I can't micro tune a D loop. Like I'm yeah. I'm stuck on a certain length and my my hands just don't yep. can't do much more than that. Will you be able to see one here coming up, right? Vegas <coughs> shoot? You can yeah. go? Yeah, Vegas shoot this coming weekend. I think I'll probably run down on uh Sunday, either Saturday night and Sunday and watch the shoot off. I haven't been able to do that for I used to go all the all the time. I haven't been able to do it for years because we always had the Western Hunting Expo and the Vegas shoot in the same weekend. This year, you know, there's a couple weeks in between. So, yeah, I'm going to run down and watch. Um, it's funny. I had Buddy Turner. He reached out just randomly one day and was like, hey, man, are you going to be shooting Vegas? And I was like, no, I'm, I don't think I'm mad enough to shoot Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you seen him just crush lately? Did you watch the? Did you watch Lancaster? I, I like even though I don't he win shoot it? anymore, I still watch won all it. that stuff. And if, yeah, I, find I think it's so you, amazing. How like I just watched like. I watched his whole body. All right, that that sucker does not move. Did you see the most? Did you see his uh, his Crocsburgers? His what? <laughs> his what? So Bodie, I didn't even see hear what you said. Bodie loves Crocs, right? I thought so they weren't allowed like in the shoots. That's what he was. T- Lancaster, it must be. He okay. was he was wearing Crocs and he has a, an attachment that goes on the back that spurs Crocsburgers. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Yes, I did. I did the Crocsburgers, which is pretty freaking hilarious. Him that standing up on the podium, yeah. especially if he's winning with that kind of style. That's yeah, awesome. but the, the thing that's most impressive with that kid, obviously, you can shoot, but it's just the it's the mental fortitude. It's what it, whatever ability he has obtained and i'm sure he feels nervous i everybody would have to i'm sure it gets easier the longer you go on but you know like lancaster you're under the lights you're on a podium you know there's you and another guy and it's a shoot up so they shoot qualifiers and then you have to essentially um you know like work your way up right through the through the top guys so the the guy that qualifies first he really only has to win the last match if to to win it i think Bodie was second or third i want to say so he had to win a few matches to get to the championship and then win it but the cool thing about lancaster is they have you know a vegas face and then they score your x is an 11 then a 10 ring which is like your normal 10 and then they've got this 12 which is like a little teeny gray dot that's down in the red so you're either going to shoot an eight or a seven right if you miss that and that's cool. It was it was fun, man, to watch. Like Stefan Hansen came out, uh, and like I think everybody was kind of thinking, you know, we're just we're gonna shoot elevens, and then maybe you get to those last few ends. Maybe we'll put the pressure on if I need to. We'll shoot a twelve. Like middle of the match, he's just like twelve, calling it, and just starts punching twelves, and just the whole dynamic of that whole shoot just got so fun to watch. People were just like throwing it out there. That's awesome. Yeah, and I don't know, Bodie hit. I want to say nine. 12s 
in the shoot up to win. But yeah, the guys. How big is it? Twelve. It's tiny. It's like a centimeter. Half inch. No, it's like a centimeter. What? A centimeter and a half. I want to say it's it's not very big. It's tiny. Yeah, Holy it's not shit. not not very big. <laughs> yeah, it was impressive. It was it was fun to watch. But yeah, he uh, he reached out and just said, "Hey, you're gonna be shooting Vegas," and I said, "No, <laughs> but uh, I'd like to come down and watch." So I'm gonna try to link up with Bodie and say, "Hey, that'd be cool. cool. Really yeah. cool. Let's get him on the pot." Yeah, I would love to. If I don't know, maybe after. Yeah, I would assume that going into that, you're probably in the zone. Yeah, I would assume so. Because I don't know. I think total winnings from Lancaster was maybe twenty. You know, twenty five k maybe, but I think Vegas is you're talking hundreds. Ooh. Yeah, hundred. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do after. Yeah, after. <laughs> let's <shoot for laughs> yeah, after. after. You know, I think he turned seventeen that week. This Ooh, week, so crazy. Young, That's too. Isn't that wild? Me. Yeah, I would love to know. He's gonna be hanging around for a long time. Long time. Yeah, I would love to know. Just, I don't even know. I don't even know if you could tell somebody. I don't know if you could like explain to somebody how it is that your mind works. But I wish I would love to crawl in his brain for a day and just see what it's like to be on a podium with that much pressure and just see what that's like. You think there's any like similarities between like a guy like him and like Alex Honnell, you know, free solo and El Cap? Probably. Like obviously that's you're dying mm-hmm. if you do that. So it's like it's a little different in a way. Mm-hmm. But like still being on a podium, shot for shot, being completely calm, climbing a rock face, being completely calm and collected and know things might go away or whatever. And then you have to refocus and laser in like, there's probably similar qualities or like how they prep and work on mental toughness mm-hmm. and just strength yeah, and just sure. like push through everything and just zone everything else out. You're in the moment. Like there's a lot of similarities between those two. Our humans weird, man. Like we all got, we got, we all got the same parts and pieces, but some people can just use them a lot better. Yeah, no. Some people just uh, use them so differently. Yeah. It's that's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's like things I sit around and think about. I'm like, how in the hell does that guy do that? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. brought it free soul because I watched it again last night. You did. <laughs> Dude, that that is yeah. It's such a good, yeah, that's a good, good one. flick. That's a good one. Anyway, I'm I'm looking forward to that. That's this weekend Vegas shoot. So we'll pop in and say hey. But um, I guess we, we've been all over the place. I hope it's okay for the listeners. Sorry, yeah. I, I, I wasn't with the boys, man. This is like one. Of, it's this is truly one. of I say this, and I'm sorry to our guests, but like these are some of the most enjoyable that I do. I, I really, a lot of guests I enjoy, but like this is fun. I like, agree. Well, we, you being in Cedar and us, him hunting like crazy, and all, all of us are all scattered. Like mm-hmm. this is when we catch up. Yeah. It's right now. Yeah, it's fun. Just We've never around. talked shoot, about shoot, any of this until right here. Yeah. I did forget something at Chon Show. What? Can I talk about it real quick? I mean, can, we, can, we can you? I can. Okay, Don't know if it'll sound <laughs> if correct. Can, the floor think, is yours, Ray. I think you should if you can. Okay. It's going to change the game. It's, I can't wait to see it. It's other going coming. to change the game? Well, no, not really going to change the game in a way, but I mean, it's just game, a, game changers are big, you know. Yeah, it's just another... Uh, people, people throw that around. I guess, it's, 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 I guess it's going to be a thing that people are going to poke fun at in a way or say it's like not the way the rules are meant to be read. So, please expand. Okay, here we go. Utah, muzzleloader, scope ban. Yeah. All right. Yes. Did you see something cool? All right. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> so, they went back to iron sights only yes. or 1X scope. Yes. Okay. So, here's, here's, my, here's my thing, and I'm going to preface this like I do all the time. All right, this is going to be a big Brady Miller rant. Watch out. <laughs> so, like, I, I love things and sometimes in technology I also love going back like I loved hunting my bull with an iron sight you know this year it was awesome hunting with an iron sight and muzzleloader but it was like 35 40 minutes before 
legal shooting line, and I couldn't shoot that bull. I had to walk away from it because I couldn't see through my peep. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit issue there. Someone, you know, I'm not saying someone, maybe someone could just like, oh, I'm just going to take that shot anyway because I can kind of see through it or whatever, but I just walked away. And the next day, luckily, I found that bull because it snowed, and I was able to kill that bull at basically the same yardage. But I had to walk away, see it with my naked eye. I could potentially take that shot, but I didn't. You know, obviously, in the state I was in, I could not use a 1X scope at all. So this is like where it's going to be great in Utah because Leupold has a 1X scope red dot with a turret on top. Imagine what that's going to do in, in Utah. Uh, I, got no, I got nothing. Keep going. Yeah, <laughs> is that one legal? X? Is it legal? Yeah. So you, you can dial your, you can dial, your crosshairs you can dial your on crosshair. a 1X scope. 1X scope. Is so, it? Now, so now you're going to be able to grab the light. So by definition, so would, would that be legal? Yeah. That's what I'm wondering. I'd have to look. The definition is the 1X scope. I'd have to look and see. It's a 1X scope. Hmm. Hmm. I'm not really. I mean, you are. You're going to grab a shitload more light than a peep. Yeah. So like, yeah, you're going to, you're going to grab the light. You're going to light. You're going to be able to be precise and you'll be able to dial. Okay. Yeah. The other, you know, I had a uh, Rebic, Mm -hmm. you know, dialable muzzle or sight so I could still dial, but allows you to be able to grab light in those low light situation and be able to dial to make a more precise, more ethical shot for guys who want to put it on a muzzleloader. But I don't think you're going to be able to see far enough the 1X scope at 300 yards with crosshairs. I could see 300. I, I was shooting 500 yards in my open sight muzzy. Can you? Yeah. I, I have, could literally, I could, as long as the hard part is, is with the crosshair. I've not done it, so I can't speak through with, it, with the cro- like, with the, I can't say, but to me, like, as I think it through, it just doesn't seem like I'd be able to see it. Yeah, you'll be able to see it 100%. Is, if you're red, Even with your, uh, your eyes, like, like no, you're fine. no magnification, you, you'd be able to like hold on yeah. an animal. I've yeah. never done it. I, I would love to try it. Though. I put my MDT Skypod on the bottom of that sucker and just be locked in, get a rear rest going. I'm going to dig that muzzleloader right in there, dial, press that trigger, make a perfect shot. And we're back. So, we're tell, back. so tell me, you honestly think that you'd be able to see at distance <laughs> yeah. with, a, with a one power scope yeah. well could, enough so, that you could make a shot? Like, yeah. how far are you talking? I mean, are we on air or live, or are we not on air and live? Oh, we're live. Hot. I know. So it's like, here's here's the thing about so the muzzler I use this year that I I borrowed and I'm buying the exact clone of it. I was literally shooting at 500 yards with an open sight and hitting an elk sized target 500 yards with an open sight. Vital repeat, sized vital, elk. I could repeat it. The problem with that setup, this is where it gets limiting. The gun can do way more than I can do because of the eyes. So when you have the peep sight in the back and you have the open like globe with the crosshair in the front, that crosshair becomes impossible to see when you put on like a dark object. And I was like, oh, maybe it's going to be better when you actually aim it at an elk because they're, you know, the old school bus and they're <laughs> giant. So very, it's very hard to see. So then, then the limiting factor then becomes the front crosshair. And yeah, there's, you know, some other muzzy sights companies that are kind of taking little fiber optics of bows and try to... You know, yeah. make a sleeve. You can sleeve it over to add more light, close more light, and try to gather some light. But you can't use, you know, you know, different things on there. But so that's the hard part. So that's why, like, going out and actual hunting with an open sight, I've shot all the time. I shoot a lot, and so anyone listening, like, if you're going to try to do this, shoot, do like all the time to get practice with it because muzzleloader can be a finicky, finicky weapon. A fickle like, little bitch. <laughs> but like. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I, like I really, I, I did, I did my best to like say, okay, like, hey, three hundred and fifty yards and in. 
for an hour. That's what I was gonna. I was gonna do, and I wanted. I wanted to get closer. It's gonna give me the giggles. Go ahead. <laughs> Keep going. I'm listening. <laughs> and so, like, the weapon can do a lot, but it's just the the optic part of the muzzleloader sight mm-hmm. that makes it harder because you have an iron sight and you're looking through it, and then you have lighting conditions with the rear one. So one X. I just looked up the, the regs. All right. Dude, you, I just is, remember it be, f- feeling so dark looking through a one X. I've never done it. I've got I've one. I've got one, but sights. it's been a long time. Yeah, it's not, okay. It's not gonna be the same as like when I throw like my fifty-six, you know, millimeter objective mm-hmm. Vortex Razor HD on the front. But like, it's gonna be it's gonna be something better than an iron sight. Yeah. And so like here's the, here's the r- rules: prohibit the use of scopes stronger than one X power muzzles for all muzzleloader hunts. All blah blah blah. All big game. Um, you can still use it on any legal weapon hunts, blah, blah, blah. Otherwise, only open sights, peep sights, a red dot or scopes with 1x power or less will be allowed on muzzleloaders in those hunts. So red dot makes it legal to have battery. Red, but yeah, even if, it, even if they didn't if go with the red dot, I'd probably be fine. Like I might be a guy who's rather have a crosshair because I don't like adding battery powered things to my optic. So wait, did you that say failed. this is a turreted Turret, red dot? Turreted red dot. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'm with you. I'm tracking. Sorry, yeah, so I had I, it in my mind. I was thinking crosshairs the whole time. No, but if, even if it was a crosshair. <laughs> I'm like, I would. I couldn't see that. There's no way. But even if it was a crosshair in the 1X mm-hmm. and I could dial it. So now I can just they have MOA or you yeah. can get a cut turret for your art, which I don't believe in. I think you should always have MOA or mills. Well, I, I would say that you saying this right now on this podcast, given the, the current political state of things in Utah, yeah. <laughs> this one will be on the chopping block before, be a hot the, one. before the end of the year. So the, the we'll scope, what, what was it called? The Freedom RDS, I believe. Yep. The Freedom, Leupold Freedom R, RDS. And that was, uh, I believe it was an AR scope. <laughs> and wow. then uh, we, were, we were talking to him about it. And they're like, yeah, we've actually got a lot of people that are like, we're going to slap this on a, on a muzzleloader for Utah. Hmm. I already have a lot of people look into it because wow. you have a red dot. It's a one X. You'd be a little bit more precise. You can so then say you're going to be a little bit more ethical. Yes. Always limit your shots and practice. Like I always say, so I'm not trying to say like go take shots further than you should be or doing hmm. anything crazy like that. Bullshit, but man, give me that gun. I'm shooting 700 <laughs> first day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have, you have a red dot and you have a turret system. So now I can range with my, be interesting to put sig. one on and play with it and yeah. just see what it does. As, as I'm hoping I get my muzzleloader built eventually and my pick. I think, what do you say? The, the the retail price MSRP is $399, I think, for that. Yeah, they're not RDS. That, yeah. It's dirt. It's, I mean, $399 is a chunk of change, yeah, but I'm talking about a scope. Mm-hmm. It's not that much. 34 mm tube. So that's going to add some, that's going to bring some light in. I picked one up. Obviously, it's in a, you know, a trade show. So it looked like it was bright. Yeah, but like it'd be interesting to see. And like right now, we looked before. There's not any other scopes doing one X. So loophole, even though they didn't intend it to be for a muzzleloader, mm-hmm. they're gonna have a lot of sales right now. And I was talking to other companies that was in there because I'm just friends with everyone. I was like, hey, you guys need to create a one X turret for for Utah, and you'll crush sales. And it's like, yeah, it's gonna take a long time because you have to build it all. And yeah, because we'll buy it in Utah. <laughs> And then, out, and then I was like, if, I was talking we, to if we can get a leg up. I was talking to Aaron Davidson and Gunworks, and I was like, "You guys got to do this." Yeah, and they, huh. and like people were spinning. I was like, "Hey, by the time we do it, you know, it's gonna take eighteen months or whatever." And then I was like, "Well, by the time you actually do it, and eighteen months later, the laws will probably be changed again, and then you probably won't be able to do that." So it's like a constant battle, and it's such a it is a niche market too. When you're talking yeah. about this, like, not many people will, but there's an option. That was kind of one of the cool, uh, and we actually. We have the other ones that are non-dialable in the Gohan Gear Shop, I believe, right now. And I, yeah, I talked to Cody Nelson when I was there and sent a picture. He's like, "Order these now, buddy." 
And uh, <laughs> so he's going to do that. So I thought it was, I, co- it was cool. I like that stuff. That's the best stuff. Stuff that you're just like, oh. But again, this is this is what I'm saying about like SHOT Show and ATA yeah. and like, it, you had to, you had to walk in the booth. You had to like mm-hmm. look at everything to find that. It's kind of hard sometimes. Like like I said, it's overwhelming at yeah. shows. But that was cool. That was probably one of the coolest things I saw. Right on. So sorry to derail. No, that was good. Man. That was totally worth it. Yeah, it'd be interesting again, to see where it goes. A little little dis- again, throw a disclaimer out there. Practice, practice, mm-hmm. practice, practice. Sure. Don't just grab this and say like, now my muzzleloader is a four hundred muzzleloader. You probably you should not be shooting an animal at four hundred yards with a muzzleloader. I just stay game ready with the, with the one X <laughs> or with anything. <laughs> even my open only. sights. Yeah, know your limits. Practice further. Bring it back down for hunting because hunting is hunting and shit always goes weird and you always got to deal with wind and animal moving and it's an animal's life you're aiming at so yeah do your justice don't huh. be like trail and shoot 190 yards at a deer with a bow <laughs> what? I've, never done, I've never done that for the record i said i throw it i said throw it out there for the record i said throw it out there because you gave me the jab earlier about oh yeah you must have hit low on that all dad but yeah that was yeah. made up yeah no trail hates me no, I'm good. That's great. <laughs> I don't mind. Clarify. If I had shot it that far, I would have owned it. <laughs> but I haven't. Um, Nor should anyone. Last thing, I don't know. We've, we've been on a while. Gotcha. Okay. We're, we're going. Keep going. Um, I wanted to, the last kind of thing that I had today I wanted to talk about was you did an article. We probably should have put this at the top because it's probably the most useful thing of the podcast. <laughs> yes. That's okay. If you've listened this far, you'll get some... Uh, we should put get, the timestamp in. Like, if you want something really juicy, yeah, go you, to, go if to you this If you want something spot. useful, yeah, go to the 90th minute or whatever it is. Yeah. But um, I want to talk about this article that you just did. Uh, it's called, yeah. How Much Does It Actually Cost to Apply for Hunting Tags in Every Western State? And this is like one of those things that every year I kind of loosely understand i know i have like in the back of my head yeah it's gonna cost me roughly this much to apply in this state and for what species but this was a pretty fun exercise for me to like read through it i even messaged you and i was like hey that was a, a pretty sweet article that you did I appreciate the, the you way, read my article <laughs> yeah the way that you broke it down with the different filters and i don't know the different graphs and stuff i thought it was pretty cool but uh i i thought it'd be interesting to talk about and just get your because here's the thing is like when you write an application strategy article or when you write an article like this you learn things you see things that you know nobody else does that even just reads it so i was mm-hmm. curious as to what as you went through this, like, what did you learn from it? Like, what do you think is most applicable to pass on to folks? Well, uh, right up front, like, the reason I kind of want to write this is because it's so useful for people to figure out how to budget for an application strategy, in a sense, like mm-hmm. building out that three, five-year, 10-year plan. Like, there's states on here that you'll see make sense financially for the long haul. Mm-hmm. For other states that do not make financial sense at all as a non-resident. And so everything on here was written as, like, a non-resident perspective. Because most people are probably, you know, maybe not as fortunate to be resident in a Western state. Mm-hmm. It's always based on non-resident perspective. But just going through, you can literally realize like there's certain states, like, again, that just probably don't make sense for you because of the high upfront cost and how much non-refundable fees you're getting back. Yeah, so or, or species in states. Species, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like you can see like that, that graphic at the top. That's why I tried to, you know, give people graphics right away, those big... Uh, you know, infograms kind of show you how much you're, how much you're fronting. If you're, this is also applying for every species, but in, in there, in each state, I broke down some information. So here's Alaska, here's a link to our state profile, to learn more about it. And then I kind of gave some information tidbits about that state. So some states I went a little bit heavier on, mm-hmm. you know, some of the more confusing ones like Montana, there's all sorts of different ways you can apply. You're going to, you can, you know, do an 80% refund right away. If you don't draw, 
you can you know apply later on for points only which then it showcases that well you think points only is cheap in a sense but actually shows you read the article it's better to actually apply in the draw because your bonus points and is going to be cheaper and so it's actually cheaper to do it during the draw than buy points only later on so gotcha. there's little nuances here and there you can start to figure out mm. with this but like montana like i said is really confusing sometimes wyoming can be really confusing you know new mexico's got a lot of things going on with it so like i try to give people some information on there but also at the top i was like well this is just a summary of mainly cost i didn't want to get into okay like you know non-residents are allocated 35 percent of the tags in this state compared mm-hmm. to other states 90 10 like that's for the application strategies right and uh so this one just was a basic cost. And so you can see when you go through, like I said, some states have a lot of upfront costs, which is something you definitely have to pay attention to because that's money on your credit card. And a lot of those times you're going to be sitting on that for a, quite a while. Yeah. And so if you're a person who, like yourself, you know, we talk about a lot, like you're doing points for you, your family, like that's a lot of costs you're eating up when you're trying to build points all mm-hmm. across the West. And yeah, sometimes youth are going to be cheaper, but like, some so, of these I just thought was interesting. So you've got two different graphs I'm looking at. One of them says total upfront cost to apply across the West. And the next one is total non-refundable cost after yep. applying across the West. So that's a good gauge of, you know, how much are you actually out of pocket? Because a lot of these states, like you're saying, actually require you to front the cost of the permits that you apply for. And then if mm-hmm. you're unsuccessful, they'll refund you the cost of the tag, right? Yep. I thought it was interesting. You look at... <laughs> you look at that giant orange tower at the end for Wyoming. Wyoming. Lorenzo, have you looked at this? Vaguely, so, but yeah. Why, if, if, why, you, if you applied for all species in Wyoming, you have to front the cost. 19000 Yep. And, and so that's one of those ones, too, I broke out multiple that's different so ways. Crazy. Because it's like one of those choose-your-own-ending books. Yeah. Like this, this was, the 19000 is special draw, sure. deer, elk, antelope, and then obviously regular draw, moose, sheep, mountain goat, and buying points for everything. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's why down below in the Wyoming only section, I also broke out, well, if you just do regular draw for DL antelope, it's going to be a little cheaper. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you don't want to buy points for those and just apply for the other things, like you can do that and kind of make it cheaper. But yeah, that upfront cost is huge. Non-refundable fees in Wyoming is also huge because like you realize like, oh yeah, I get all this money back if I don't draw. Well, you still got to buy your points afterwards. Like, yeah, which was high. I was surprised to see that $1,003.08 in Wyoming. Everything. Non-refundable it's, fees. That damn eight cents, man. That's yep. get you. And then, here's, <laughs> here's the, and then here's the one thing that like, you know, I wanted to take extra time on. Like, I can't even explain how many, like this is weeks of putting this article together. Mm-hmm. And not weeks, me sitting in the office. This is me at home on the weekends trying to write this and trying to make it exact because like you go through there too. I try to add like processing fees. Mm-hmm. A lot of yeah. times when you think about, oh, yeah, it only costs, you know, X amount of stuff for points, X amount mm-hmm. for the tag when you're applying. App well, some of these states do have credit card fees, they have processing fees, and Wyoming's is huge. They have 2.5% convenience yeah. fees. Convenience some fees. All that stuff are kind of like fees. hidden in there. And other ones like, you know, Montana calls like a service fee and all that stuff. So like, yeah. there's all those little hidden kind of fees in there. So I tried doing my best. Obviously, there's a lot of states. I covered 15 different states. And so I tried, I did my best to figure out all those, add them all in here to show you the true cost. Mm-hmm. And, and so that like, they'll get into too, like what I was saying, like some states just don't make sense. Like Washington. Yeah. That's people, always I, ask, people always ask why we don't talk about Washington a, a lot. Yep. Yet we have research tools for Washington. If you're Washington resident, we have great tools for you. But for most people, non-residents, you have to buy the elk license, buy the deer license. Those are non-refundable mm-hmm. to then go into like a special draw for that species. So you're out. I don't, what is it right here? 1,485 bucks. Mm-hmm. 
That's what I thought was interesting when I looked down through this is you start to really pick pick it apart and see essentially like what's your your best bang for your buck, right? Mm-hmm. And we've always, every podcast I've ever done with anybody, you know, we, we go to the campaigns thing and do an application overview, try to help people understand, you know, where to apply. You know, we, we've always said, you know, if you're non-resident of Washington, skip Washington. And everyone's like, why? And we're like, well, it's expensive. Yep. You know, like, well, how much? Well, now you, I have a dollar amount to it. I mean, four, yeah. 1500 bucks, you're out. And essentially, if you, you if you correlate this with draw odds for their draw yep. hunts and understand the potential of those tags, the, the payoff, the cost-benefit analysis just isn't there. But it was interesting to me to actually be able to put a number to it and see it. Mm-hmm. And, and then, like you said, to correlate this, too, with draw odds. Because some of them, you might be like, oh, it's mm-hmm. not a lot of, you know, non-refundable fees I have to pay every year but your chance of drawing could be 20 some years out for some of these states too. Like yeah. you look at like Arizona, you know, it's not that much in a sense, but unless you're like Lorenzo and want to go coos, it's mm-hmm. like me and want to stick the long gun and go mule deer all the time. Like, yeah, that's where you have to kind of benefit too. You don't just want to look at this and be like, well, these, these states are cheaper. I'm just going to apply for these cheaper states. Cause you know, Nevada, the non-resident 255 bucks to buy for everything. Every single year we'll buying the hunting license and all that. It's like, well, it's going to be a longer game where some of these other states might be a little bit more beneficial to jump on that have a higher upfront cost, but you still get non-refundable fees back, but you have a chance to actually go hunting a little bit more. So you can use it kind of to budget or be the guy like, hey, I only have a thousand bucks for app fees every single year. What's, how, to, how do I best go about this? Yeah, you your best of, thing for your buck. You can kind of look through this, kind of figure out those again. Move. I would love to talk to somebody in Wyoming. Like why, why is it so expensive to apply for all the species? Well, you, you, like you got bison at six thousand bucks. Six thousand dollars. I know, but, but the then front to that. make people front it, it's it's. And then you got know. their special new special draw fees in there, so I try to talk about that a little bit, and it's like, it's a crazy amount of, of money. And the thing that's also, I was only thing scary when I go through this is I hope other states don't read these articles and then be like, whoa, Wyoming has their sheet price at three times the price that we do, we should increase our sheep price and moose price and this guy uh, try to jack up all well, the here, prices Here's too. the thing with Wyoming. I think Wyoming looked, they, they looked at the, you know, the, the intended implications of a regular and a special draw. And they saw that your draw odds aren't really shaking out that much difference. So they weren't really giving that many people an advantage in draw that were applying for the special tag. And I think they also thought, oh, we can improve odds for people that are willing to pay that higher price, which is the intended, you know, the intended effect right when they did it. But then I think they also thought, Hey, we can also make some revenue here. Right. And they're going to find out the supply demand. Like they're going to figure out how many people are actually willing to pay that high a price and what they're willing to pay. The thing I'm interested in is, is to see post this year's draw to see what that looks like and see how many people are willing to pay $2,000 for a general season elk tag thing I'm worried about is that I think it's, I think they're going to sell. I think mm-hmm. there are enough people out there that are willing to pay 2k. So they're good. The thing I'm worried about is other States are going to look at that and they're going to say, look, there is a demand, you know, they're willing to pay $2,000 for an elk tag. Why are our elk tags, non-resident elk tags, $2,000. At that point, I don't want it to become legitimately, I'm not applying for special. Mm-hmm. I, I can't afford it. I can't justify it. Um, 
I just don't want to see people get priced out of the opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, they can still say in Wyoming, well, just apply for the regular draw. Well, I mean, if that if that's the case, I mean, I could do that, but it's also going to push my odds that further out because more people can't afford it. They're going to apply in the regular draw, which is what they might be able to afford. So my worry is that it's going to push those opportunities further and further out. But I, I, I hope. What's I mean, the price on the regular? Uh, seven, seven oh seven or eight something. So I can't remember box, off the top in, of my head. Yeah, it's in the bottom of the article. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to look and see. But it's, I mean, the the price of the special tag is, it's a it's double essentially. I mean, it's a lot more than more. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, two two thousand dollars for a general season elk tag in Wyoming for me is like okay, Shilling. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm out. I, you know, maybe some of the limited quota units if, you know, I saved up for it. <laughs> Um, I could justify burning my points to go into that special tag and draw it, but and you think that's what maybe more people might be doing because they, they're high point holders. Yeah, that's they what realize I, this might mm-hmm. be the, the time they're going to do special because I, mm-hmm. they've been waiting forever. They just want to draw burn. it. You got to burn them. Yeah, I just I just worry that uh, it follows suits, you know, across the other western states, and that we see tag prices go up to a point where it's just like, oh, man. Do you think some of these states? Do you think some of these states are looking at so? This is a this is an intricate question here, so let me try to phrase it properly. Get everybody on the same page, but right, they're all getting complaints about draws, right? Yeah. And, and point creep and all this stuff. Point creep isn't from new applicants. That's like we had this big conversation with Randy Newberg. Point creep has nothing to do with new applicants coming in. They're coming in at zero points. Yeah, they're not creeping. People the that point. got into it twenty five years ago. It's people that have been banking bonus who have mm-hmm. only been buying preference points, never applying, never applying, buying preference points, buying, and then all of a sudden they jump in. Mm-hmm. That's that's what is creating point creep is people that have been buying points forever and now are jumping into this stuff. Well, as more of that's happening and it's pushing out some of these draws and these states are getting so much pressure from from the hunting community of you know, point creep and draws. Do you think they're going down the path of trying to fix it through price? Yeah, possibly. I mean, that that's fully the intent, in my opinion, in you Wyoming so? going to the special. Yeah, I mean, that's their their justification is that they made this large increase to meet their initial plan, which was to make that a easier tag to draw. So draw odds, better odds people that are willing to pay a higher price. So in that instance, they are using price to offer people better odds. Do you think, do you think some of these other States that are, uh, their, their draw system, their application system is pretty antiquated with supply and demand nowadays. Do you think they go down the path of cost instead of actually fixing their system? Possibly. That's what, that's what I, yeah, what's possibly. nerve wracking is it is nerve wracking is if they if all these states start going down the path of cost to fix yeah where the, the, where these pressure points are like, yeah that's bullshit and the problem is with cost too eventually you're gonna have people just be like I'm out and that's yeah. gonna that I mean that will be the part where they'll you well know, they'll fix fix, draws. Po- fix point creep the guys just bouncing out because you look at this I mean well that's that because this is where my head is going is. If they if they start looking at this like you said, there's two thousand dollars for a general elk tag, and it proves out that there is enough supply, and some of these other states are looking at it as they could alleviate some of the mm-hmm. hunting consumer pressure of of point creep and draws and all this stuff. If they start going down the path of cost, that is bullshit, and that's pretty scary. And that's what I'm like in my mind coming to the conclusion of like right that, now in the moment. My, that's my worry. Yeah, and I, I mean, you hear people say like it's becoming a rich man sport. Uh, I don't know that it's quote unquote a rich man sport, but 
there are instances, Wyoming elk, for example, Wyoming bison. I can't, I'm not applying for bison in Wyoming. I, mountain goat, I would love to apply for mountain goat. I can't afford to front the cost for four months. Yep. Um, even though that's a random draw, right? In Wyoming, I can't afford it. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not low income. I'm like middle income, you know, you've essentially priced me out of that. Yeah, right? you're, t- Which, you're talking $2,700 from sure. this license. Yeah, almost three grand, right? Which you're going to get that money back if you don't draw, but you're fronting that money from, you know, January, April, I guess, till May. Yeah. Um, which isn't easy. It's not easy for me financially to like, it's not, pay, look, it's not for, easy for anybody. It's not easy for anyone. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, just for transparency purposes, yeah. not only do I come from a great background, but I also am yeah. pretty resourceful at the sure. moment. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not running $19,000 to apply in Wyoming. I'm not doing it. Right. Yeah. And I've always said like, it kind of boils down to your values and what do you value? And I agree with that to a point. I think, you know, I'm trying to put money into things that I value, which, you know, hunting and I'm using this kind of information to make the best choices for me. But, uh, yeah, there is a point where I'm just like, it doesn't matter how much I value it and where I save money elsewise. I mean, I've still got three kids and a mortgage and car payments and everything I'm else. I'm not going to put $19,000 on my family credit card. Right. I'm not doing it. Right. <laughs> like it, 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 I don't know. Right. I don't know if that's principle or, I mean, it is the cost though. Gen, like it is the cost for me as well. And, and again, but it's also you, principle you, for yeah. it too. Like I'm not going to do that when I have a family. At mm-hmm. home, I don't know. It's just a and, weird and again, concept. you get it back, but you're drawing, you know, not interest. for a while. Yeah, not for a while. It's not gonna for be a four tight months. couple months. Yeah, <laughs> and, and look at the big thing here. Like we talked before that two and a, two and a half percent processing fee. Yeah. So in Wyoming, you apply for everything. That's four hundred seventy-four dollars. Yeah, of processing fee. Processing fee. So then total that's cost out of after pocket. Re- total cost after refunds is five seventy-nine oh eight. Yeah. So that's five seventy-nine out of pocket every single year to apply for all those species in Wyoming. We're talking, you know, moose, sheep, goat, all that stuff, and deer, and elk, and antelope. But then when you buy the points, mm-hmm. it could jumps up to a thousand then. Yeah. You buy points for all the species, and those points are really expensive. We talked about moose, sheep, goat. And, and you break down. I mean, some of those just aren't worth buying under their current draw system because they don't allocate bonus, you know, preference point permits for some of those species. So yeah, you're like random draw anyway. Random, so random yeah, draw. Yeah, so it's those, a random yeah. draw. So you're not really even buying yourself anything by buying points. Yeah. That's why you got to do your homework and see. But, yeah, it, it is interesting. Did you – I was curious as you looked down through this, did you pick out any nuggets? Like, in your opinion, like, what are the best states, best species, bang for your buck? In your opinion, again, that's going to be a hard one for me to say, since I do a lot of these states anyway, and I feel like I have a good short-term, mid-term, and long-term gameplay. But it's like, like I said, I like what I see is if you I were won't, a new, if you were a new hunter, yeah, if you if were a new hunter, yeah, go back to your 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 Brady Miller coming from Minnesota, just want to live the Western dream. Mm-hmm. Like, what? you've had a full glass of milk, you're ready full, to go. Full glass of milk. <laughs> full glass of milk. <laughs> like, what, what? What's the state? Arizona, Colorado. Montana, Nevada, Utah. Nevada? Mm-hmm. That, would that would surprise me. Yeah. I want, oh, cause like, I want to chase big animals and it's a long, long play. Mm-hmm. And you always have a chance. You always have a chance. That's what's fun about Nevada. You always, you I mean, always got you, a shot. You, you drew a tag. I did, yeah. You drew, two, you drew, I've drawn two, two, two tags in Nevada now. I'm rolling. So it's like, there you go. There's a, there's a <laughs> I'm expecting my elk tag this year. Here we go. But, but again, though, like, the thing you realize when you start going through this, yeah, I did list off a lot of states that I feel like could be worth your bang, bang for your buck, but it's like some of those states you can't chase just absolute dream, the best take of that, the best. Take that out of it. You, yeah. weren't, you weren't chasing dream best no, of the best. No, that's, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, you have to just maybe modify your strategy. Like Someone say, like, oh, yeah, Nevada's going to be impossible. It's like, well, 
I drew a tag as a non-resident and shot a buck that's mounted in this office with an, when I was a non-resident. So like there's opportunities to do it, but you have to maybe adjust what kind of adventure you're chasing. So like, yeah, like, you know, going to an Idaho might be kind of fun, but you buy your hunting license. Maybe you should try to pick up an OTC tag. And if you don't, well, maybe you should apply for, you know, a sheep tag because that's potentially better odds because you have to pick one, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to think about those things like that. But then it also shows me when you're going through this that for minimum added cost, what I think people need to realize, and, and even though there's friends of mine who do the same thing, like I only apply for deer. Like, well, you bought the hunting license and you're only applying for deer. You're not going to apply for the other ones for maybe $15 more mm-hmm. per point, like to have a chance to draw. Yeah, it's 15 bucks and, you know, it can be a lot of money. Yeah. But it's like if your goals are to go hunting, why are you just applying for deer? in a certain state. Why are you just buying for deer and elk? Why don't you do try for the big three in those states, even they might be unattainable. Or if you do just deer, why not elk as well? Mm-hmm. Like I could have set up my strategy because like I said, I don't really prioritize elk, but I bought points for elk everywhere. And now I'm going to have some really awesome years coming up because I'll draw some yeah. very premium tags. I'm willing just to play the long game on all these. And so I've noticed through these, like, yeah, playing the long game could be worth it. So, But it also could not be worth it. Because yeah. I could... Again, the, the, the total upfront cost. Again, this is pretty silly because a lot of these states and species you should not apply for. Like, financially, yeah, doesn't you, make you sense. You got to dig into the details, but like, as I look down through it and as I read the article, there are things that jump out to me, like Colorado elk, deer, antelope. You ought to be applying for those. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the cost of the hunting license, it's it's like one of the more economical <laughs> yeah. options, right? Yep. I think you're eighty nine bucks for a hunting license. You might be ten bucks for a stamp, I believe, and then your app fees. But the great thing about it is that you can draw deer tags within, you know, zero to five years. Mm-hmm. Same for elk tags, draw elk tags, same for antelope, it, depending on the weapon you want. You might be a little bit longer. But that one to me is I look down through the cost. I'm like, man, great bang for your buck, right? Colorado. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to skip. I mean, if you haven't been applying for moose, sheep, goat, um, you know, I'm probably going to skip that if I'm just getting started based on odds. Or at a minimum, I could build three points, preference points for those three species, which is my 300 bucks per species. At that point, I don't have to participate in the point system, but I can still apply. Even my random chances are next to nothing, mm-hmm. but I can apply for a minimal fee, right? Yep. So to me, that one was really interesting. So like, as I look down through here, I started to like pick out things like, okay, Utah, Utah, you know, 285 bucks. That's to apply for any and all species. I'm probably not going to draw an elk tag if I'm a non-resident or, you know, a limited entry deer tag or a bison tag or moose tag or anything like that. But every three to five years, I'm going to general season deer hunt. But again, though, there is some you can draw with minimum points. So you just got to adjust your strategy. In Utah? Mm-hmm. For what? You G- general season deer. But I mean, you, you can, with not many limit entry, you can kind of draw some things here and there, like a chance and like, you don't have to always, I mean, you, go, you don't have to always go for the best of the best. I would consider States. it a long game though. I would say long game for yeah. elk, deer and antelope, limited entry. What, what would you consider a long game? Like as, in, as a new hunter getting into this, what would you guys think is a long game? I would think anything over five years is pretty well long game. I'd say 10, 10 plus. 10 you plus. guys, but, but, that, but again, we're, that's long game for sure. us. Like I would agree, that is a long game for me. But as a new hunter getting into this, you know, you're, if you're told it's going to be ten years, you're just—I mean, that's not that's like not I could. Good. Yeah. I could turn and burn and draw stuff in Utah, and I'm not willing to yet. I'm willing to go longer. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what are your expect, expectations going to be? Uh, I, I feel like five years 
you know, people trying to get into new states. I think five years is a good is a good plan. Five well, five years will be here before you know it. Yeah, I mean, I would say there's not much you can draw in Utah in five years other than general season deer. Yeah, Pr- pretty limited. Whereas whereas you look at Colorado, yeah, Arizona, tons of opportunity. You're like mod opportunity in those first five years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Arizona. See, Arizona is another one. I mean, it's 295 bucks. You have to buy the hunting license, which is 160. Uh, you know, there's, as I did the application strategy for elk, there's actually quite a few elk tags that don't take a ridiculous no. amount of mm-hmm. points. I mean, um, if, uh, five years in Arizona, coos deer and, and coos, elk. And coos deer and, and late, late archery elk. elk or, but still, you're hunting elk. But yeah. I mean, it's, it, you're in for hunting. you got some opportunities mm-hmm. in the first five years, for yeah, sure. Yeah, there, there's some options. And then, again, I mean, you buy the hunting license, you can apply for bighorn sheep, and there's a random portion of that draw. So maybe mm-hmm. I draw, maybe not. But to me, I'm like, you know, I can... I can you front, already bought it. Why not? Yeah, I can front mm-hmm. 15 bucks for a raffle yeah. ticket, essentially. Um, yeah, but those three kind of jumped out at me. Idaho's like, I, you know the one that I love? My favorite my favorite one on all this, that, that little blue one that says New Mexico. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 169 bucks yep. out of pocket. You have to front the cost. So if you wanted to apply for everything in New Mexico, you're going to... eight thousand. Yeah, $8,294, which I'm not fronting, but I can pick and choose what I want to apply yeah. for. In That's New- Ibex and Barbary yeah, and sheep big horn and all sheep. bighorn sheep. Right. If yep. it's just deer and elk, antelope. Yeah. So I can pick and choose, but the cool thing about that is, is they turn that around pretty damn quick mm-hmm. and your refund, it hits your credit card if you don't draw within 10 days. So I'm not out forever. And the draw is pretty well turned around and I'm only 169 bucks in to be able to have a random chance with multiple choices for all, you know, for those species when mm-hmm. I play. Yeah. So. New Mexico is great. Yeah. That one. And, I, and I you dug. Can, yeah. And you can draw. Yeah. And you yeah. can draw. Everyone has, whether you're just starting out or you've been applying for 18 years. You Man, can, you ever look at the draw odds for residents in New Mexico? It's fantastic. Bro. It's fantastic. I might be moving to Albuquerque. Yeah. <laughs> I might be breaking bad. Really? <laughs> Get yourself an RV. Really? I'm getting an RV and I'm going to New Mexico. Hey, at that rate, you are applying for all species in every state. <laughs> right. But I mean, yeah, they, they have a pretty a pretty killer system down there and the odds Mexico has been good everybody who's ever applied in new mexico it's been good to all of us in some way shape or form Mm -hmm. yeah uh montana i think it's expensive you look at the out-of-pocket cost 493 bucks but the opportunity i think is a pretty good reflection of the cost Mm -hmm. so i feel like your opportunities to go up there and hunt general season elk general season deer antelope if you want to are really good so that's like you know one that I would put up there. One that jumped out at me, Idaho. I don't know. I don't apply in Idaho every year. What? Nope. Because I have to buy the hundred eighty-five dollar hunting license, right? So I'm only going to buy that if I can also buy an over-the-counter permit, and then I'll apply for controlled draws and hope that I draw one of those. But on a year like this, where my number didn't allow me a good spot in line to draw or to buy an over-the-counter permit. I didn't buy the hunting license. And if I look down through the draw odds for the control hunts, a lot of those, I'm just like, I don't really want to go up there and hunt that hunt. Um, you know, I, I would rather go do some other opportunity somewhere else. Are you in so elk I'd, control draw or are you a sheep? Yeah, elk, elk deer antelope for me. Yeah, more bang for my buck. Mm-hmm. So for 185 bucks, I have to buy the hunting license. I'm going to get to apply for three species, elk, deer, and antelope versus one of the others like bighorn sheep or moose or you know mountain goat mm-hmm. although that's the reason they have pretty good draws for those species to me i'm like that's one chance if i apply for 
elk, deer, and antelope, I got three chances to draw something. Mm-hmm. So that's why I draw. I just that's what I do uh, as well. Elk, deer, and antelope, man. But yeah, and that's one that as I look down through here, I read through the state sections and stuff. I think that's one where you can make a judgment call. It's just really cool to be able to see the prices in front of you and kind of have a breakdown under each individual state on like, hey, think about this. Um, you know, maybe apply for this species, don't apply for that species. I thought this was super handy, so I wanted to I wanted yeah. to highlight it. Yeah, so it was a fun article to put together. Like I said, it's it's literally thirty three pages in a Google Doc. Yeah. <laughs> so Light work for Brandon. Light, light, light work, late nights. Yeah, and then again, like I said, there is species in here. Like I did include bear in some of these states and some javelina stuff. Like even as a resident mm-hmm. here in Nevada, I don't apply for bear because I go bear hunting other places. So like you can cut a little bit of cost here and there to pick your species no. you want to, make this cheaper. So you can make pretty much go through this and kind of create your own if you want to and take some of this data and add the species you want to figure out what your cost can be. Yeah. But we should we should touch on this big number down at the bottom. What is it? So if you applied for every single tag opportunity, all the processing fees and everything, and if I added up all my math right, which who knows, math, math is hard. <laughs> um, you have loaded bullets with no gunpowder, so. Four out of three people think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's, this is 15 Western states, $38,428.48 of upfront cost. This is, is mind-boggling to me. 38000 wow. What's your, what's your non-refundable? Non-refundable then would be $6,382.85. And the big chunk of that is Washington because you have to yeah. pay whatever, 1400 bucks or whatever it is, those two tags. I always figured I spent about 2500 bucks a year in app fees, like out-of-pocket app fees. Mm-hmm. It was, it was in, this was a good exercise for me to actually go through and see it. I've never actually gone through I'm not a very good budgeter, as you can tell. Like I just, <laughs> I'm like, sure, yeah, let's do that. Um, I don't think any hunter really is. Yeah. You start doing hunter math. Yeah. Just, yeah. You kind of. It's like yeah. be, being a gambler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I can't win if I don't play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which there's something to that, but. But then um, it's like you, you can figure out what you want to do with this. Like maybe some years people are like, I don't want to spend that money. And you could use that. Like I said, you're two grand, two and a half grand. Mm-hmm. What else could you do with that hunting? You could, you know. Go on some other crazy adventure hunt. You can go to Alaska. You can go odd ad hunting in Texas. You could go on some guided hunt somewhere in a state you've never been on before. I mean, I could do that for two years and buy a really like a pretty solid elk tag in New Mexico exactly. or some other state. Yeah, yeah you're gonna be to. you're gonna be out all you're gonna be a year behind everywhere else. But could it be worth it to you? Like you yeah, could think it, about it, that it as well. Be. Might mm-hmm. be. Yeah, it might be. It depends on your your objectives, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just an interesting exercise for me because there's like there's. There's species, we, we say it all the time. I've written it in, in tons of application strategy articles like, oh, if you're, you know, for the $15 minimal fee, you might as well apply for bighorn sheep. And I've said that and I believe it. But then, you know, I, I start to look at the odds over time and I'm like, is it really worth 15 bucks every single year? I'm probably never going to draw it. I don't know if it is or isn't. It might not be. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll probably. I think that, that type of thing comes down to the individual. It, the individual. Yeah. yeah, it's very individual. Yeah, very subjective. Yeah. And that's why in some states I don't. Mm-hmm. Apply for you know the big three. Yeah, I don't. Big in four. Many I don't. states I don't. Just because I don't think it's worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. Man, pretty much too far behind the, the curve. I don't cost. one <laughs> or two. Yeah. you know, just my best chances of actually getting those tags at some point. It it'll be interesting to see if uh, I don't know this this all is it'll be interesting to see where this goes over like the next ten to fifteen years. You know, cost opportunity. Um, 
you know, draw systems. And I don't think anybody ever, you know, in the late nineties, early nineties, I don't think anybody ever really foresaw where this was going to go, yeah. where this is going to go. It'd be really interesting to see where this all goes. Yeah. When they change things too, when you've been in the point game for a long time and just switch yeah. it up on you. Yeah. High five to New Mexico though. Mm-hmm. I like, I like it. Do wish more States were totally random. I do. Yeah. Personally, I do. I just, I mean, I love, I love the fact that it's multiple choice too. You know, I get three choices. I can pick and choose my hunts. I can, you know, I can pick a really high draw odds as my third choice. I can swing for the fences on my first. I can pick, you know, three really good ones. I I can do whatever I want with my application. It's like choose your own adventure. So I I do like that. I like Nevada for the fact, same reason that they, they, they look at five different choices. And that's why I included it on there because I think it is worth to apply Nevada is one of those ones it's, it's like I'm on the fence about it I'm not obviously I apply there and it's and I, drew, and I've, and I've drawn yeah I've drawn two tags there so I mean I'm at what point level both times um I think antelope tag I had like five so it was an archery and again that's another thing is you look down yeah, through here different weapon choices yeah different weapon choices like you really gotta you gotta you know, diversify, pick up a bow, pick up a muzzleloader, you know, look at late rifle hunts, look at those hunts where your odds are a little bit better if, mm-hmm. and, and become proficient with those weapons and seasons. But, uh, and I think I had, I can't, 12, I want to say maybe for deer, but you know, I, I there's hunts I could have drawn. You could have yeah. drawn, but I you get time. to a certain point where now you're kind of yeah. like, mm-hmm. you have yeah. overswing and, for and, those. And I would have drawn, I drew my first choice this year in Nevada. I would have drawn my, I think fourth or fifth, had I had it got to that point, because I was just like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And that's yeah. how I look at Nevada. I, I bow hunt, and I think every maybe seven to eight years, I can go on an archery deer tag and, and go hunt Nevada, and and it's another opportunity. And for yep. me, the 285 bucks a year is worth it, and plus I'm in for all those other species. And if lightning strikes like Ethan did this yeah. year in mm-hmm. Arizona and he drew a sheep tag, I mean, I'd be over the moon. I dream about that shit at night. Lightning like I struck for me in New Mexico. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I go to bed and you know, I think about that stuff. I'm like, man, this, this year. <laughs> well, look at what, was it Campos this year too? He was thinking about not applying in Arizona for elk. Yeah, he drew an archery elk. And like, that was early. my point. He was like, well, we should might as well just throw, him up, throw it in there for the draw and he drew one. Mm-hmm. A good one. Yeah. yeah. So it's anyway. Like, it can happen. Cool article. I would highly suggest you guys check it out. Um, and probably do better than me it, as far as like actually budgeting and, you know, financing and having money for these things before you just throw caution to the wind and then try to figure out how to pay for it on the back end. You can always just try to pay for it later, right? I mean, credit some, card fees and just Sometimes you can't. Sometimes credit cards come calling. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> Anyway, it's wild how that works. <laughs> yeah, it is weird how when you owe people money, they, they want they it. They actually care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. The only thing I wish I would have done with this, but it would have added a lot to it, which I might maybe do another one later, is like when you get these refunds back in some states. Mm-hmm. Compound that with this data. It's like, all right, if I apply Wyoming elk right now, and let's say you're, you do the special draw, when will you get that back, you know, to then turn around and reinvest those app fees into another state, like kind of work it through that system mm-hmm. like that. Like that's another to angle. To see how much you would ever be out. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah you can like take idea. it right away when you get your results back, you get the money yeah, back in your bank account. Yeah, that's a good idea. Reinvest in another state so you can kind of float that money throughout the whole thing and kind of make it worthwhile. So that's another avenue I'm probably going to dive down. Well, that was good. It anything was. anything else, fellas? How long have we been on, Cody Boar? Oh, we crushed it. Crushed it. Yeah, a lot of fun. Lot of Over fun two hours. Let's go. 
Those are always the best when two hours goes by and you're like, that didn't feel like two hours. No, not at all. No, that was good. Appreciate it. I am quite it. hungry, though. Yeah, good luck in uh, in Mexico. Thank you. I can't you. wait to see how these guys This is going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. These are good guys, too. Like, right? Always run the risk of who, who wins a, the hunt giveaways. <laughs> yeah. These guys are cool. And they're, they're asking the right good. questions. They are asking the right questions. It's fun. I, I do think it's a good community. Yeah, for sure. By and large. So. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, have fun. We'll look forward to hearing from you when we get back. When you get back. Sounds good. Peace.